0: Am I loud and clear? You You are are loud, certainly. Uh, Clarity, (laughs) I guess, depends on what you say.
1: Just like old times, eh?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Haven't missed a beat. Hello, and welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Kyrie. Hello. And that's it for the as
1: forever people (laughs) joining me, but joining me as not for a very long time is Rob. I've just been socially distancing myself from the podcast, I think is the the term that they're using these days.
2: (laughs) That's not how that works. It is. It's two
1: (laughs) trolleys. It's two trolleys between us all. That's that's (laughs) what I'm sticking with. There, there
0: are many more than two trolleys between us all right now. <laughs> right.
1: Recording remotely has that effect.
0: It certainly does. But yes, the the loss of the entire theatre industry
1: is oh. our gain, as oh Rob is with us. It's absolutely mental. I was there the evening. It was like, a, wasn't it like a five o'clock announcement? And um, I was there the evening, working back of house in the RSC, when the order was given for everywhere to close. Um, and my manager, Michael, Bake Off Michael, as I call him, because he was on Bake Off, which is hilarious. Um, uh, <laughs> he I said, love that he's back in the story. The name dropping stories are already starting. <laughs> RSC <got> <laughs> Bake Off Michael. But um, he says, Rob, it is your duty to ensure that no one enters the building. <laughs> <laughs> so very quickly, you were turned into a bouncer exactly but the thing is is afraid to name drop it yeah but sure the rsc is a very big building it is i am one person (laughs) and the i don't don't know if you know this but the rsc is comprised of two theaters you've got the rst theater the main house and then you've got the swan theater on the other side and they're connected by one huge long open corridor okay uh stone floor uh, uh windows on one side uh impossibly tall wall on the other just a very large open space one door of the theater is on one side of the building the other is on the other side with this long corridor joining them okay i literally spent the entire evening running up one end stopping (laughs) shouting at people to leave (laughs) turning around like Lancelot in fucking Holy Grail (laughs) and running all the way back down to the other end to tell people who were coming in the other door. And I was like, can't you just lock the doors? They said, we need maintenance for that. And they weren't around. So it was a fucking disaster. But um, memorable, I will say.
2: And that was the evening that you essentially spent being a guard from Metal Gear Solid. (laughs) That's exactly it, yeah. (laughs)
0: Yes, I, I am aware of the RSC's two buildings. I
1: have seen plays in both. Othello at the Swan was a fantastic production. Oh, fantastic! That it's was a real, many years ago now. It's a real shame because they they had to end their their season just there and then. Uh, so all of the uh, the performers blessed them. Thought they had another two weeks or so, uh, and then they were told, "No, actually, yesterday
2: was your last show. Leave." So it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't good. And, and it has I just, to be done. And just throw in, I also have seen a theatre. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's that as well. Yeah, I have to say, we're
0: just recording now on Easter Bank Holiday Monday. So, I, I suddenly have an enormous amount of sympathy for anyone who's furloughed or out of work during this whole lockdown. Because mm. I've actually been essentially in lockdown for a week longer than has been mandatory because my employer started early. They preempted government advice. I I love them for that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, And I didn't really go out that week because I wasn't aware it was my last opportunities slipping from my (laughs) grasp. So I've been essentially doing this a week longer than most. And I was doing absolutely fine. I'm like, whatever messed up wiring in my brain is actually good at this. I'm fine. Um, But that was because I still had a routine. And the Easter bank holiday, I've had four days not having a routine. And the very concept of time itself has disconnected itself from the universe. And (laughs) days and
1: hours and night and day have lost all meaning for me in just four short days. Wow. That's all it takes. It's a slip. I mean, I'm really bad at this, so I have to be super disciplined with myself. So I I am furloughed. Now, thankfully... um, I w- I'm involved in an industry where at least they get a bit of funding. So I'm on the um, I'm normal paid to the end of April. And then I get that government uh, 80% or whatever it is that they're doing. So I'm quite lucky in that regard. So I'm very mm. thankful. But I have had to sort of try and keep myself t- like stuck to a schedule. So I-, I kind of have to achieve three tasks by the end of each day. And then only then may I rest until the next very similar day begins. And it's uh, do something healthy, uh, do something constructive, and do something creative. So I'm counting this as my creative fix today, guys. Oh, I I, like those rules. Those are good rules.
2: I did legitimately think the third one was going to be be, do something destructive, though. (laughs) (laughs) Just to keep a balance, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Both forces in equal measure, of course. (laughs)
2: Oh, I'm back in the office tomorrow. What? Yeah, I'm I'm a a key worker, because someone has to scan things.
0: (laughs) Can you not... Does no one in the company have a scanner
2: at home? Probably, but the post goes to the office, and then the post needs to be scanned, and then that needs to then be emailed to the people who the post is for. We live in a world...
0: Where the Mercedes Formula One team were able to design, prototype, test, and build a CPAP device in 100 hours. I'm just saying, like, there are technological <laughs> solutions to problems. Forwarding the post <laughs> already is a solved problem. <laughs> Having a scanner at home is a solved problem. I, the thing is I we, don't think these things are insurmountable.
2: <laughs> we had... This is the problem, is that we, we, we had a guy um, whose who's sole purpose during all of this was to... Go into the office and just scan things on that people needed that were still in the office. Oh, yeah. Now, can you see what the problem might be with having one guy whose job that is? Did he get ill? He did get ill. Oh, God. And so has to stay home. So, yeah. Um, so that's now your job? Well, it's, it's a couple of people's jobs. We, we, we rotate. Um, but oh, I'm oh, good. Let's get more people ill.
1: They rotate the canaries. <laughs> they take down
2: the mine. <laughs> So yeah, that'll be, that'll be, that's gonna be fun um, Alright, so It was nice knowing you It was, this, this is gonna be nice having my like, It's the coming back of the old And the, the departure of one host
0: and- <laughs> <laughs> so You are the lamb Sacrificed to the need to pick up the post
2: Absolutely
0: Because they can't just get the post forwarded
2: Yeah, exactly
1: Okay, cool
2: Absolute it's- disaster Speaking so is... of
1: absolute disasters
2: <laughs> I was going to say has, has anyone been to the cinema recently? Oh,
0: And speaking of, No, but I do keep getting the emails from Odeon Because I have the unlimited card Where they're desperately trying to like Maintain a relationship with their subscribers Despite mm. the fact that not one of their cinemas are open oh. But as I was saying Speaking of absolute disasters And speaking of phenomena that make time itself Lose all meaning uh, mm. WWE In the middle of this lockdown
2: Put on a Wrestlemania oh. Like I, it, there was there was this post that was just like the COVID nineteen virus punching Vince McMahon and being like, "Say it, no, say it, Vince, never cancel WrestleMania, ha <laughs> ha, two days of WrestleMania." I mean, it's a captive audience. It's
0: perfect for Vince. He's like, they can't do anything else. Uh, but. Obviously, we're going to start by pointing out that the whole event was irresponsible and dangerous and should never have happened.
2: You know what? Yes, I think we're probably going to disagree on a number of points tonight. And so, uh, like, we, the podcast, and people who watch WrestleMania will probably disagree on certain points within this. But I think Mm. all of us can agree this should not have happened. Yeah, none of this should have happened at this time.
1: I I uh, completely appreciate the dedication that comes from the uh the superstars wrestlers I'm only a casual viewer so uh, please understand that dear listeners um <laughs> but uh, so I do really appreciate that they've gone to the trouble of putting on a show in a difficult time but I 100% agree that it should not have happened not not across two nights either. That what were they, what do they say it was called? The the WrestleMania too big for one night. Too big for one, for one night. night. I I don't think there was enough quality content to argue having two nights anyway. And they could have half filled one night with good content from this. Yes. Okay, I'm glad we were sort of on the same page oh, in that regard. I,
0: I think then. if it comes to which ones were shit, we'll agree on a lot. <laughs> oh, it's <that's laughs> not, not a lot of good stuff in here, but there is some, and that's I think where I differ from Kyrie. Yes, yeah, some stuff I think I there was liked. actually yeah. some good stuff.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think there's and, some good stuff. Yeah, it's just it's also the fact that like lengthwise, if you look at part one and part two and put them together, that's the length of WrestleMania from last year. Yes. So splitting it into two nights does nothing. No. Do we well, technically that... know, was it, was it, because I, I swear I heard
1: someone say it, but I don't know whether it was true or not, it was actually shot, it wasn't
2: live. Oh, you know, it was pre-taped weeks in advance. Yeah, okay, so, yep. all right. Which hmm. is, fun, funnily enough, do you know, um, Simon, do you remember TNA? Yes. I, Impact Wrestling?
0: You... I vaguely remember it, yes. <laughs> have you, I know have it you... still exists, but I vaguely remember it.
2: They're, they're fucking laughing it away at the moment, because they always pre-record all of their stuff months and months and months <laughs> in advance. So their weekly show still has audience members and still has like people in the audience. That's that was, surreal because it was that's all filmed so last winter. Oh, that's really surreal. <laughs> um, and like I, I, I've kind of liked how certain wrestling companies have dealt. Like, I don't like how any wrestling company has dealt with this because it, it, in this world of everyone has to maintain six feet of distance apart you shouldn't have people trading blows and, and body sweat and all this that and the other going around this looks like this is just generally a bad idea to have wrestling on at the moment um but when people are like having to do it have you have you uh, is it AEW that's done the whole thing of like the heels have quote unquote banned the audience
0: i don't know because i've stopped watching AEW because oh. to be honest
2: how badly they've handled their women's division has turned me off the whole product and i've just really? stopped watching <laughs>
1: Yeah. I've, not,
2: I've w- literally never watched it, so I just I remember it was a thing that you, you were talking about a while back, and then it was just like, I've not heard about it for a while, and then, yeah.
1: N- not to get sidetracked, because I know we're here to talk about WrestleMania, and we ha- it's too big, obviously, for one episode to cover. Maybe not. Um, what was wrong with the AEW's women division, then? Just briefly, so I know. Okay, so to encapsulate the whole thing very briefly, uh, All Elite Wrestling is started
0: by the Being the Elite crew. Basically, so you're talking the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And what they have proved with being the elite and all elite wrestling is that they really know how to do storytelling. They really know how to take someone who is unknown, package them, put them in front of an audience, get them over, uh, wrap a story around them, um, and do fantastic in-ring storytelling. Yeah. So the fact that that is not happening in the women's division means it is a conscious choice to not develop the women's division.
1: Ah, Gotcha.
0: Uh, And you have a women's match a week. And if you're lucky, it's more than six minutes. Uh, And that's like old school WWE women's match booking. That's the, this is your pee break booking. And that's bullshit because they've got some really talented women. um, And they're just getting buried by shit booking. Uh, And so that coupled with a starting tendency for the all elite guys to be the center of every storyline. I was like, "Uh, you know what? This isn't as good as it used to be. I'm I'm
1: tempted to go back and watch some of the Matt Hardy stuff because they're letting him be properly insane. Well, I heard that. The last thing I heard about, because I, I generally heard fairly positive reviews, but to be honest, I've not been following. I had heard that Matt Hardy was back, and that was some pretty great stuff happening there. Mm. His debut where he started teleporting around the empty arena was... <laughs> I've
0: seen it on YouTube, and it, it's of interest to me. And uh, having Chris Jericho have an argument with a drone in the middle of the ring is <laughs> of interest to me. So there's some stuff there that appeals, but I mean, just watching the women's division get buried just makes me very upset.
1: Yeah, so I just ignore it. Yeah, that's really shit. Anyway, sorry to divert. Um, do do did either of you watch the um the warm-up show or whatever? It's I did called? not. No, neither did I. Okay, it okay, was good. It was a, there was a pre-show. There was a pre-show.
2: Oh shit! I didn't realize. Wait, how did? So what? because <laughs> <laughs> surely the pre-show is like when people are just still trying to get to their seats and everything
1: yeah that's literally S- it
2: so when there's no people but there are seats
1: well there was is-
0: still a kickoff show because okay. i mean you've got to remember the kickoff show serves two purposes one is uh keeping the crowd vaguely simmering whilst everyone's getting to their seats yeah. The other is putting the pre-show on free-to-air broadcasting, persuading everyone to go and buy the pay-per-view. Oh, of course like, yeah.
2: they do this uh, with Royal Rumble as well, don't they? Like an hour yeah, yeah. beforehand. Yeah.
0: So uh, they're still serving that purpose of go buy WrestleMania or in this case subscribe to the network, watch WrestleMania. You can get it for free for a month. So you exactly. get WrestleMania
2: for free, which is the only reason I re-got the network. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah, there, there was still a pre-show. Um Drew Gulak versus Cesaro. I mean, they're both competent. I'm sure it was fine.
2: Yeah. that's That actually sounds like a dream match for me. Shit, I might, I might need to watch that one. I like Cesaro. I, yeah. I love Drew Gulak and Cesaro. Yeah,
0: okay. they're, they're both, you know, strong people. I'm sure it was a good match, but I, I didn't I'll, watch it.
2: I'll, I'll come to it when we get to the match that Drew and Cesaro appear in at the actual WrestleMania, but I'm very confused by Drew Gulak at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm confused by a lot of people in that match. But, uh, you know what? Let me get, let me get the, the card open just to, so. Yeah, I'm doing that as well, actually. So, so right. the the opening, right? Well, actually, before we talk about any
0: of the content, yes, I just we've talked about how it was dangerous and irresponsible. Yes. I now want to talk about how it was fucking weird. Yeah, man, so strange. This was WrestleMania being broadcast broadcast from a gym.
2: Yes, <laughs> from the performance center, isn't it? So it's yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's it's their yeah. own
0: training center. It's literally a gym, and I, it, it's incredibly surreal to me because I watch NXT, mm. and and to be honest, I know all of the shows have been coming from the performance center lately, but I don't really watch the main roster stuff. No, but like they've had uh, they've kicked off the Johnny Gargano and uh, Tommaso Ciampa feud, and they had them brawl all over the performance center recently. So I've already got a really good look at behind the scenes of that whole gym from NXT. And then to see WrestleMania coming from their developmental location, their, their training center, is so fucking strange. And to have WrestleMania without its caravan of foreign language commentators and just oh, two yeah. people behind a desk and fucking Gronkowski in a balcony... <laughs> in like, a shiny oh jacket you
2: know what if we were gonna have if we were gonna have gronk be the host of any wrestlemania let's have it be the one that no one's gonna watch and have it the one where no one's in the audience <laughs> yep. like i'm okay with that i'm more than okay with that even when mojo fucking rowley turns up and i was just like <laughs> you know what it's fine this doesn't count <laughs> Kyrie, that ain't hype Aww.
1: Can you explain who he was? Because I spent all of it confused. Football I didn't know man. who he was.
0: Okay, so uh, Mojo Rowley is um, one of the WWE's wrestlers and he's a former NFL American football player. Uh, Rob Gronkowski was one of his teammates. Gotcha. So he is a sort of friend of the business. Yeah okay. Commas. yeah, okay. He,
2: he is big football man. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Kyrie, what were you going to say? Uh, Just about the opening and uh, so i get that it's it's so florida and therefore pirates well
0: originally the the pirates thing goes back to the fact it was supposed to be held in the tampa bay buccaneers arena
2: right that makes i knew there was some uh... link between america like florida sports and pirates and i couldn't remember yes. where the buccaneers were i thought they were like i thought it was like plymouth or something like like new england <laughs> But, like, we get the opening video package still. Yeah. Yes. With the pirate theme. Yep. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, that really set the tone for me that I was going to hate this WrestleMania. Because that opening cinematic was the most unfunny, yep. tragic, long... Yeah, it's as soon as they tried to turn it into
0: comedy. Yeah. Yes. Like... The actual sort of, our wrestlers are mythic figures in, you know, this pirate scape. I'm like, that is 100% on brand for WWE. Absolutely. And then they tried to make it funny. And I'm sat there going,
2: oh, this has gotten weird. This isn't a good start. Mm. It's, it's, they've, the, the voice they've got, I, uh, the best description I've heard of it is, it sounds like someone trying to do an impression of Nigel McGuinness doing an impression of Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Like, yeah, it seemed like he forgot to do the voice halfway through. At one point,
1: I was like, "Oh, is is that what he's trying to do?" He's trying to do Jack like it's to me. It sounded like someone from a
0: low budget remake of The Office.
2: Yes. Oh yeah. God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely.
2: But it just, it just, I just, it, it, we were going through it, and I was like, "Okay, this is. I'm not going to like this. I will. I, I'm not coming at this from a from a neutral standpoint. It's, <laughs> it's really got to work to win me back. And here's Gronk." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: not a strong opener.
2: <laughs> Alright, so the be- the opening match had better be a damn good, fine match. And it was. Uh... And it was! I- I'm still angry, however, that Kairi Sane is in WWE at the moment. Like, wrestling at the moment. Do you know why she's not been on Raw recently in the last couple of weeks? No. I don't. Because she was back in Japan getting married. Oh. Now she's stuck in America.
0: Oh, no. That does suck. Oh, yeah.
2: that's awful. So, yeah, she got married in, like, what, early March? L- Mid-March? And, yeah, like, and no, come over and wrestle. It'll be fine.
1: Because I think they were on about those two not uh, working as a tag team after this match. They were going to go off and do their own thing. So maybe that was to give her time to go away for a while.
2: I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. But it just really, really annoyed me. because It's like, oh, that's that's really left a bit of taste in my mouth. Still a great match. Absolutely. That, that does suck.
0: But I, I will say this. Kyrie Sane is a wrestler. Yep. And she is working at one of the biggest companies in the world at one of the biggest events that there can be. You know, it's it doesn't make up for it. Yeah. But if you're going to be stuck being a star on that caliber is not that bad. Yeah. as, as what you could be doing with your time.
1: Exactly. So as, as we're talking about the the initial matches now and uh, this is this is something that I've noticed throughout all of these uh, like you, Simon. I didn't. I've not watched any of the um, the week to week shows or anything. So this is my first uh, experience of watching it without an audience. And before uh, I sat down to watch this, I thought, well, this is actually quite a unique opportunity for them, for all of them in a lot of ways, because it is the potential to combine not only your wrestling skills but with your mic skills, but during a match, yes. because. You will well, people will be able to read your character we, in we the will middle come of the fight. Back yeah. to that yeah. Because
0: there was a joke I was making all through Saturday night and half of Sunday night that so did not pay off. Um because there is a thing in wrestling, uh it's a challenge for them because you call your spots. If you're calling the match on the fly, you call yeah. your spots to your opponent in the yeah. ring. And you can sometimes hear that over the crowd. Especially if it's John Cena. Everybody talks too <laughs> damn much. Well that was the joke I was making is the John Cena match is gonna be complete shit show because he's gonna be yelling his moves in an empty room. And I mean, I was right and wrong.
2: Although I'm gonna to need to like get get you to sort of explain to me certain parts of this song because I also don't watch it week by week I haven't watched it since uh, the rumble. Um hmm. Hmm. so Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors. Yes. Yeah. Who's the face and who's the heel? Because I can't tell because there's no audience cheering or booing and no one's doing anything particularly heelish. Right. Or... There's um, a lot
1: of that, though. There's a lot of not knowing who's the face or the heel in a lot of these, I find. Yeah,
0: mm. there's there's actually... The whole product has been moving away from clearly defined face heel quite a lot. Um, And I, I swear it's because Triple H is having more and more influence in the storytelling. And I swear yeah. at the moment it's because Vince is socially isolated and Triple H has taken over. You know, it's a sort of coup by health. Um, But in this match, it's actually pretty... This is one of the straightest heel face divisions there is because Oscar is a massive heel right now. Right, okay, cool. Um, She's using green mist, cheating to win, full-on, straight-up... The Foreigners Are The Heels She she is,
2: and yelling in foreignese, of course. Yes.
0: Uh, They've decided that Oscar and Kairi have both forgotten how to speak English and now they only (laughs) yell in Japanese, despite the fact we have weeks of footage of them speaking English on TV. No, Uh, heels
2: only speak one language. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Um, And it's led to this... The the whole Alexa-Nikki thing has led to a weird, unexpected face turn for both of them, to be honest. Um, Because people just seem to love... The, the Alexa Bliss-Nikki Cross combination. I'm one of them. Yeah, I like them too. Yeah. They're, they're a great combo, and
2: I don't know how it works, but it does. I'm confused by Alexa Bliss being a face, though. It's it's like when people tell me The Miz is a face at X, num- at X point in time, and I'm like, no. Really?
0: No. I mean, Miz and Alexa both do face turns the same way. It depends entirely on who they're facing.
2: Right, okay. It's their... Oh, there's a bigger dickhead.
0: They're feuding with a worse heel, therefore they are in the face role. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, this was a pretty clear face heel. And it was one of the better matches of the night, I thought. Yeah, open, I they opened strong. They had a storytelling in the ring, the action was really good, Alexa Bliss' in-ring work keeps getting better, she's still nowhere near as good in the ring as she is on the mic, but she's improving. Uh, and Oscar and Kyrie are just fucking brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, great strong opener,
1: and uh,
0: then Elias and Corbin. <laughs> oh my
1: God. When he got, because they, they did a flashback to him being pushed off the little balcony. Yeah. Didn't they? Yep. They, it's not high enough to do that, guys. <laughs> <It's not high. laughs> like, you the peril is that. not that compelling no. here. You could push me off that, and I would just be like, ah, like at the bottom, but like just looking up, why did you push me off that? He's out for the count at the bottom of what appears to be no more than a six foot drop. Well, on a week-to-week taping, that is the highest spot they've got to drop someone from at the moment,
0: unfortunately. Uh, I mean, Kevin Owens proved that they have a higher point during WrestleMania, but,
2: Oh,
1: that, that was great to be there. Yeah. But Elias week-to-week,
2: did... that's the biggest fall they've got. In, in that flashback, though, Elias did, um, like, was one of the few people to actually make use of the fact that you know, there's no one there, when he said, "Yeah, playing to this capacity crowd here at the, the Performance Center. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: Oh, they, this is the thing. Um... There has been a sense of humor to the product lately, and I think again this is Triple H's influence. NXT has been beautiful. Uh, just to segue into that again, there was hmm. a wonderful moment. Like I said, they've they've kicked off the Gargano Champa feud again, and they had a planned finish for it before all of this happened. Hmm. And they've had no man standing matches. Uh, sorry, last last man. It was no man standing, <laughs> but last man standing matches. They've had street fights. They've done all of this. And this one was going to end with an empty arena match. You know, that classic, we're just going to empty the building, you guys do what you want, sort of unsanctioned empty arena fight. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly all arenas were empty. <laughs> and they decided not to change the finish. And there's this hilarious moment where Triple H himself separates them and is like, this needs to be over. I'm going to find an empty building. <laughs> <laughs> and he pauses for the laugh. Oh, <laughs> He's like, and I'm going to put a ring in it. And then you are going to have
2: it out. And when it's over, it's over. And I was just like, oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) Do you know what isn't brilliant? Uh, The Elias and Corbin match? Yes. It was awful. How do you get more nervous in an empty room than you do in a room with an audience? I don't know. Weirdly, though, I think think there is some credence to that because I reckon just from...
1: Doing shows and things like that When you've got like a small audience Only a a few people there You can actually feel like you're being scrutinised more Rather than being a lost in a wave of people So I I do see that It it Uh, makes it a number of people Rather than like a faceless mass of audience But that's when it's people that are still punters Showing up to watch you It isn't your own crew You're not worried about your own crew being around you Like filming or whatever So I I don't know I'm not making excuses for them Uh, I think... I've I've always kind of liked Corbin because he like the guy because he has got a mouth on him, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say he's particularly compelling, but I like that he sticks to his guns on that. He's always been the heel, and he's not scared to have people absolutely despise him, whether it's because he's just boring or whether it's because he's actually playing a good heel. But um, like a Corbin face face turn would be
2: weird, right? Oh god, yeah. Oh, it'd be awful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it'd be awful.
2: Uh, And
1: career suicide probably for him. But, and that's, um,
2: the the best part of any Elias appearance is his like you know the the, the song at the beginning the the yeah. the the playing to the audience. He's very much hampered by there not being an audience at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah.
2: See, I like the Elias character.
0: Love him, absolutely love him, and he's a solid wrestler. Yeah, and if he's in there with someone who can elevate him, he will hang with them, and they'll put on a good match. I'm not a fan of the Corbin character, never have been. But he's a solid wrestler. Yeah. And if he's in there with someone who can elevate him, he can hang with that and they'll put on a good match. Mm. And the trouble with putting two solid workers together, no one's elevating that match. Yeah. And it was... I mean, it was fine. It happened. Yeah. But the two of them have no heat together.
1: No. No, I, I, I mean, I, I like Elias too, but uh, he seems a bit more serious to me lately. Uh, that could just be my misinterpretation because I don't watch it that regularly, but... I think part of that is that there is no crowd to play to. Yeah, I guess you're right.
2: what? It, so he... Yeah, one thing that actually came out of this as well is that I realised I had never heard Elias' theme music before. Because his entrance is always, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Elias, the guitar pluck, yeah. and and very very him very, doing his yeah. thing. Yeah. And then he always loses. Yeah, every single time. <laughs>
0: that's true. So you never hear his music at the end of the match.
2: So he won the match, and I was like, "Oh, that's what his theme music is." <laughs> I, you know, I, I've been, I, I've seen because I've been like watching on and off since like Royal Rumble twenty eighteen. Would have been like, I think would have been just as he came over from NXT. Yeah, I've never heard his fucking theme <laughs> before. I I couldn't tell you it. No, no. Well,
0: now you know. Ah. next one. Hmm was a match that I think circumstance robbed us of. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Because I I just want to preface discussion of the Becky Lynch uh, versus Shayna Baszler match um, by establishing that I am unbiased here, despite the fact that Shayna Baszler might be my very favorite person in the company. (laughs) (laughs) She's awesome. She's really cool. I love everything about this woman um i love her character i love the fact she's a warhammer nerd yeah. uh, i love the fact she wore a bolt thrower t-shirt in nxt uh i love her ufc career uh although she didn't win all that much uh <laughs> she's you know she's been on up up down down uh she used to do live streams with her housemates which are fucking hilarious she's great um and incredibly entertaining I know that her work style isn't the most popular with the
1: fans, and a lot of those people are wrong. In what in what way, sorry, is it not popular?
0: Uh, because she is billed as this slow, <laughs> methodical um, fighter who will just pick someone apart in this yeah. savage, vicious way.
3: Yeah,
0: It's not electrifying. She doesn't do high dives. She doesn't do flips. She doesn't do a lot of even lifting moves. Uh, And that's what a lot of people want to see. They want to see spectacle. Mm, Um, But I like watching Baszler just tear someone limb from limb, essentially. That's
2: it. She's so intimidating. She's so intimidating. If nothing else, the the opening package to this, oh my god. I was like, holy crap, I'm terrified of Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler had
0: not the longest, but I would say the most dominant run as NXT Women's Champion ever. Mm. Um, She... Tore through an entire locker room and her entire character was based on. I will tear through this entire locker room. Uh, and that was it. It's that self-confidence of knowing she's the best and backing it up. But she's actually, we haven't seen it on the main roster. I don't think, but she's an incredible actress in terms of, she will maintain that cocky persona, but every so often she will meet someone who complicates her, whether it's Oscar, um, was one of these, uh, and more recently yeah. Bianca Belair. And there will just be these moments where you see her taking a half step back, see her looking over her shoulder at them when she's playing to the crowd. And she's actually quite good at showing you it's all, all front. And she's actually scared of her opponent when it's the right opponent. That's I really great. like that
1: about her. Yeah, that's really good.
0: Um, my only real complaint with what she's done since they've moved her up to the main roster is her finished the uh, Kirafuda Clutch, the rear naked choke. Yeah. In NXT, she would in- invariably drag people to the ground, grapevine her legs around them, and basically ragdoll them. Uh, seeing her doing it standing up is fucking weird. It just doesn't look threatening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just strange, but... My biggest problem with this match is I kind of knew Shayna was going to lose, even though she should have won. Uh, I I think Shayna is the right person to kill Becky's title run. I think she's the right heel to carry that heat because, oh my God, she's a good heel. But they are not going to let Becky's title change hands without an audience to react to it.
2: No way. Has she she held it since last Mania? Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. Wow. Okay. And uh, another thing of it, and it's sort of a, a more, uh, a, a, I suppose, a technical thing. But if you're looking at all the uh, the marketing of WWE at the moment, like she's everywhere. So, as a business standpoint as well, you could tell that she wasn't going to lose that title because she's. Oh, they don't know about that. that. Really? Um, Do not when think- when Stone Cold was the biggest
0: merch mover in the business. Uh, he was even more popular when he was chasing a title than when he was holding a title. Mm. Oh,
1: I suppose, yeah, fair enough. You
0: actually lose a bit of your push if, if you've got it. The thing is, Becky is the man, and she's taking on all comers, but she's the champ, so she is also the man as in the establishment. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. For someone with her character, chasing is even better than holding.
1: Yeah, to be fair, she. Was, yeah. now you say that, it was more interesting when she was going for that title rather yep. than...
2: Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, fair play. It's, it's nice to be able to have, have everyone get behind, not necessarily an underdog, but someone that everyone can get behind chasing. Uh, WrestleMania 30, the uh, Daniel Bryan like gauntlet. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That sort of thing.
0: So yeah, I think a good feud between those two with Baszler holding the title would be incredible. Um, however, like I said, if there's not going to be a fan to be shocked when she loses, they're not going to do it. Mm. As simple as that. Other than that, I loved everything about this match. It yep. was exactly the match I wanted from the two of them. Uh, it was beautiful and I can't wait for the rematch at maybe SummerSlam when there's an audience again and Basler actually
1: wins. Cause it did it what I did enjoy about um the spots they did, it did look like she were she only got that win uh, as not a fluke, but she just scraped a victory over her, you know.
2: It wasn't like a decisive victory. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, she struggled to get it, and that's what I enjoyed about it. It was like, oh, okay.
0: Honestly, uh, one moment in this match, Shayna doesn't do a lot of lifting moves. As I said, that's not her thing. No. But the moment when she picked Becky up as if going for a powerbomb and dropped into a seamless transition into an armbar was one of the cleanest transition moves I've ever seen, and I fucking marked out for it. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, I was really impressed with her because, uh, again, not a regular viewer, not really seen any NXT, um, but I've heard a lot of good things about her. And having this be my first time of actually watching her, I was genuinely taken aback with how much presence she had as well, like I mentioned before. Scary, intimidating. and she's a beast. With a real technical ability. Like, I'm not an expert, but I could tell she knew what she was doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, she is a legit MMA fighter. She had a career in the UFC. She's had a career in other martial arts divisions. Um, And for years, the the thing is, we've seen what happens when someone who is just a UFC person transitions (laughs) into wrestling. Mm. You get a Ronda Rousey or a Brock, someone who the company will push the hell out of, but the fans will just go, oh God thing about Baszler, she's always been a fan of wrestling and has been working independent wrestling for years and training with people like Mercedes Martinez for years. You know, she lives the business um, as well as being a UFC fighter. So she comes in already getting what wrestling is and loving it. And it shows, you know, it because she gets to be the legit fighter badass. Her whole thing about Elimination Chamber, when her saying, you know, I'm going to be locked inside a cage with them. I'm a cage fighter.
2: Yes, that was great.
0: I I loved that. This, um,
2: this is the thing is I, I think like the 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 essence of her promos are really good. She gets across that she is scary, mm. but I just ah, oh, there's something off with. I don't know the, the way she she talks. The way something to do with her voice. I think she's she's trying to find this kind of good heel voice. Like whenever I hear her talk, it's like ah, I don't I don't feel like you believe what you're saying. Even though you could quite easily kill anyone with your bare hands, <laughs> I'll tell you what—I know exactly what you mean because that's
0: how I reacted to her when she first started her run in NXT. Mm. But the fact that she had that run for God, what was it, two years—you uh, got over it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you just have to get used to her this voice. Is, this is my this is my first time sort of hearing her speak properly because I, I have, I'm only familiar with her through the the Mae Young Classic.
3: Mm. Um,
0: But no, her voice
2: hasn't changed. She hasn't found a voice. It's just that you watch
0: her long enough and she dominates for long enough and you just you let it go because she's proven it.
2: Okay, fair enough.
0: Anyway, then we had Sami Zayn
2: and Daniel Bryan. Right, okay.
1: Surprising. So
2: I've got a couple of questions about this. Yeah. Why is Drew Gulak a face? Because he looks like Daniel Bryan. Does he?
0: Well that's kind of, the yeah. reasoning. Yeah,
2: yeah, really? Yeah. So yes. Oh my gosh. He right, he was one of my favourite things about 205 Live. <laughs> um for anyone who 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 hadn't seen 205 Live, he was like he he had the best gimmick ever for a cruiserweight wrestler. Which is he is obsessed with the rules. And I mean the old school, like proper old-fashioned wrestling rules. You know, the rules that say you're not allowed to jump off the top rope. Oh my god, yeah. That's against the rules according to the actual official rules of pro wrestling. So it's That's just through rule I go, "All right, here I am in the cruiserweight division with all these, you know, high flyers. No top rope moves in this match. That's not allowed. You will be disqualified." Which I love
0: because one of the things that WWE does that consistently annoys me is forget that they made up a bunch of rules.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like and it's just I love that ultimate heel heat. And now he's a face. And I'm very confused. The other question I have is well,
0: this is another one where it's confusing because like sammy is heel but popular yeah and danny bryan is face but coming off of a heel run it's all a bit uh, i don't know
2: well sammy was the focus of my other two questions (laughs) i
0: mean i I can think of more than two questions to ask about sammy zane's career right now
2: right so the, the first the first one just generically is just why is he a heel when he still has that theme music I know, in, right? it is impossible to boo someone coming out to Scar.
0: I know, right? It's yeah. so
2: upbeat. It's so happy. And the second question is, why is he Fidel Castro? <laughs> I'm really not sure, because I'm not watching the week-to-week product. I just, so... I just saw him and I was like, oh, that's, that's uh, Sammy's it. What the fuck is up with... Why is he wearing... Why is his beard like... Is he is he Castro? And then he came out to the ring and his the, the side video plate thing is him in the kind of stencil artwork looking off to the side like... He's Castro. Yeah,
1: I mean he is, and I don't know why. I couldn't tell you.
2: Oh, I, I it's think as too. confusing to
1: me as it is to you, because I remember seeing something, and this was a little while back. But I think, uh, I, I think they're trying to make it seem like he's the kind of character that when he says things, they happen. So. Um, it, him saying that he was going to beat daniel bryan ever and thinks oh well of course he's not going to beat daniel bryan daniel bryan will run rings around him but then it actually happens like he's sort of like a false version of the kind of leader that you would see and i guess that was the the link i suppose i don't know that's the it's, impression i got anyway yeah
2: it's a sort of a bit strange mostly because i look at him and i'm like do you, do you remember seeing the kind of the the, the, the person writing about uh, hush in batman yeah. And how like, this is too many gimmicks for a bad guy to have. Like, he's a doctor, also he knows who Batman is, and his name is Hush, but he doesn't have anything to do with quiet. And he's covered in bandages. And it's like, wait, hang on, you've thrown weight just pick one or two gimmicks from the hat for your for your villain thing here. And like, Sami Zayn's thing, where it's just like, all right, it's a former like fake luchador. He's Syrian Canadian, he loves scar, he wears flat caps and now he's dressed like Fidel Castro and he's in an art collective with Cesaro and Nakamura like whoa whoa guys guys this is this is you you've overloaded this with flavor you you you're drowning the meal here like they're trying to see I, what's going to stick I guess absolutely and I'm just yeah. like just just let it breathe guys let it breathe I mean, there's
0: an old saying in WWE: "Creative has nothing for you." Um, Creative
2: what... has too much for you. Exactly. What we're seeing with Sami Zayn is the opposite, and it's just as bad. I think my my favorite thing, however, to come out of this match is the tweet from Cesaro before it, where he said, oh, yeah. uh, "If you had told me ten years ago that I would be working a program with Daniel Bryan in front of an audience of zero people, I would have absolutely believed you." Yes. I... <laughs> I saw that one. If you had told me we'd be both be working for the WWE at the time, I, I would have been very confused. Yep. <laughs> I loved that tweet. <laughs> it's like, oh, bless you. He's still still keeping your chin up.
1: That's hilarious.
2: So yeah, that match happened.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, really? Gulak right. got involved, didn't he? Uh, the Gulak guy, for a bit, he got yeah. involved and took out Cesaro Nakamura.
2: Yeah. for for any any purists wanting to listen to hear like a, a blow by blow account of many of the matches, you're probably not gonna get that. It's it's gonna be a oh, case no, of I like, no, I don't th- this, remember half of this them. match
0: <laughs> I mean the thing about that match, uh like I, I liked the commitment to the bit. Like Sammy's character came across really well, his you know, game playing shenanigans all worked out. Yeah. I just have no idea what his character is. <laughs> uh it's it, so it was fine like um sammy is incredibly entertaining to me always has been i think he's great um please can we have an el generico run in wwe oh
2: my god yes uh
0: shinsuke i love uh i kind of hate how they're using him in wwe at the moment because he, yeah. he's a lot better than they give him credit for but i've come to terms with that because i know shinsuke's fine with it because as he said he's like what well, they're not making me work hard and i have a house on the beach Like, it's fine.
2: (laughs) That does sound like Shisuke Nakamura. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Daniel Bryan I like, Drew Gulak I like, Cesaro I like. Like, everyone involved I liked. They all did good stuff. I'm just very confused what the story is between those ones, and I think that's one where you have to be watching regularly to have any clue what's going on.
2: Yeah. So, next up, card subject to change.
0: Oh, yeah. Very much subject to change this night,
2: yeah. So, the initial idea for this match (laughs) was going to be it's a three-way tag team. know oh, this one. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, six not six-man tag, but three six-men in a tag match, so three teams of two. Yeah. Yeah. So, John Morrison returning uh yeah. with this. and Morrison
0: versus the Usos versus The New Day was the original booking.
2: But what we actually got was one member of each team in a three-way ladder match for <laughs> yeah. the tag titles. Yep. But they didn't explain that on commentary. They were just nope. like, it's a triple threat ladder match for the, t- for the Tag Team Championship. And here comes John Morrison, here comes Jimmy Uso, here comes Kofi Kingston. Wait, who's, t- who's tagging with... What? Have, hmm? Hang on a minute. Um, so that confused me a little bit. Once I got over that, I then went, oh, okay, now I understand now. Also, why are you having a triple threat ladder match in front of an audience of zero people? Hey, guys, go out there and fling yourself off of ladders and take really sore bumps for nobody.
0: I think the answer to that is you've got John Morris and Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston. Like, the the three people in the business right now who I'd want to see do a ladder match... Yeah. ...are them.
2: Uh, I thought it was great. It's I don't, it's a great match. Don't get me wrong,
0: but, like... It's also one of the best solutions to the Miz is too ill to work problem.
2: Oh, yes, Yeah but apparently was still working whilst a little bit ill, which has annoyed a lot of people. Well, he turned up ready to work. Ah, So this is the
0: story, is Miz turned up ready to work, because he is a worker. Like, he is a WWE faithful. He knows that you do not take time off if you can still move. Um, But what happened was the Usos, who would have to work in the match with him, were like, I do not want to work with someone who's ill right now, which is, you know, fair. Absolutely, yep. Yep. But we're the Usos. Um, we don't have a lot of clout here. Hey, cousin! <laughs> and went over to Roman. Well, we're like, they're trying to make us work with Miz and he's ill. Like, we ain't comfortable with that. And Roman just went, oh, fuck that shit. If yeah. he's working, I'm not. And nor are you. Um, and so then they gave Miz the night off, and then Roman went. Uh, then Roman probably realised he was immunocompromised from having just recovered from leukemia, and went. Actually, I'm still
2: not working. He's he's actually um, his is weird because like none of this has come from like official sources through WWE. It's all come through like you know Roman Reigns' Instagram page and stuff like that of him basically saying, yes, the, you know my health is a factor in certain decisions I make, but people don't know the workings of my life. People, you know I may have. Yeah elderly people within the household I live in, I might have a newborn, you know, I don't I don't tell anything about my private life in these things, so people don't know that, so stop making speculation stuff. And it's like, okay, you know what, that's a fair point. And we probably shouldn't be going, anytime someone is not featured on a thing, we shouldn't be then going, oh, because of this, because of this, because of that, like, yep. Yeah, just just, just I'm be happy. I'm not saying he, it's yeah. definitely because oh, he no, no, recently absolutely.
0: recovered from leukemia and is immunocompromised. I'm just but saying that is, if that is the reason...
2: It's a fucking valid reason. Absolutely, 100%, yeah, hundred percent. And it just—it just leads to really weird stuff where people are like, "Ah, so there are degrees of immunocompromise because you've got <laughs> a man with diverticulitis problems in." Yep. Uh, so it's just like let's just let's just not think
0: about. And it. I'm like, well, there aren't degrees of immunocompromise. There are degrees of how much you can get away with saying no to Vince McMahon, and Roman Reigns is at the top of that
1: list for that company, and. It goes down from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, end of the day, it, it comes straight back to us. Uh, what we said at the very beginning was: should this have been happening in the first no. place? You no, can keep no, no, going no, back God, none no, None of it should. Exactly. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> like, and this is the thing: it's like, yes, the, the ladder match was good, but there shouldn't have been a ladder match in front of zero people. No, there shouldn't. It absolutely, Don't. should not be. But I'm... for once, they tried a bullshit finish that
0: actually worked.
1: Yes, and um, it was John Morrison, right? Now I recognised yeah. him, and it, for ages I couldn't work out where from because I well, do from really... the WWE years ago when he was John Morrison. But, he was not he in Lucha, right? He was in yes. Lucha Underground as Johnny Mundo. See, yeah. I recognised him from that, and I've only yeah. seen a few episodes
0: of Lucha. So he, he... was in Lucha as Johnny Mundo. He was in Impact Wrestling as Johnny Impact. He was um, uh,
2: before he was Johnny before he was John Morrison. He was uh, Johnny Nitro. Yep. That's um, when he
0: worked with Joey Mercury and Molina yep. in the uh, stable
2: MNM and he was Johnny before that it was like Johnny Flame or Johnny Blaze something really shit. Johnny shibby. Blaze I think. Yeah.
0: Um in a take on the uh, Fantastic 4. Yeah, so like
2: he's been Johnny all sorts of shit. Yeah,
0: he's always Johnny. Um, but then they repackaged him after the M&M thing on WWE as John Morrison, because they realized, hey, you look kind of like Jim Morrison. Yeah. And gave him the whole psychedelic throwback music and look. And yeah. to be honest, it worked. Yeah. Uh, I really
2: like him. I think he's awesome. He's got a really great and interesting wrestling work ethic, which is like, I, here's the thing is like, I want to try and learn to do something in every big match I have. I want to learn to do something so that I can do that and surprise people. Which is why in this, when he does the, the tightrope walk spot in the um, ladder match.
1: Ah, oh, wow. Because he's
2: like, you know what, I'm going to try this. Hey, It worked. <laughs> yeah. And, um,
0: like, his tagging with Miz is also an old thing. And the two of them work really well together. Um, so it would have been nice to see them tagging. But, uh, like I said, this was a, a decent enough solution to the we-can't-have-Miz-work yeah. problem. It was... Yeah, a ladder, thr- a ladder match without an audience is
1: a weird-ass choice, but they made it work. They, and that sp- end made me laugh. I did genuinely
2: laugh. I know it's a bullshit ending, but it was a bullshit ending that made me laugh, so... It, it, I honestly thought, "All oh, right, it's a singles match for the tag belts, and Like two people from opposing teams are each going to grab one belt, and they're going to fall down, and yep. oh no, now they've got a tag... And then that didn't happen. I was like, oh...
0: They sort of set it up like it was going to be Jimmy and Kofi, and you thought that's where it was going, and then they knock John down, and he takes both belts with him, and you go,
2: ah, I get it. Yeah, that's probably the best way they could have ended it. It was a good finish. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of good finishes, I actually really enjoyed Owens and Rollins that came up next.
2: Yeah, I've been very confused by Seth Rollins' – gimmick at the moment oh my god <laughs> well oh i mean fans god. nicknamed him crossfit
0: jesus years ago and yeah was clearly right. just leaning into it
2: but that was years ago and we only just sort of caught on now and like <laughs> well, yes wwe creative takes a while to get its engines going you know so so his gimmick is now that he is jesus
0: the monday night messiah yeah yeah
2: he's jesus he's back and he's a heel
0: the savior of monday night raw the monday night messiah
2: yeah got Coming to down to the ring with, to him. with got his to hands hand in
1: prayer him. yeah the fact that he he was convinced that if he if he won this match against Kevin Owens he would ascend to godhood I was just like <laughs> this is fucking nuts
2: I right you know what they because compl- I didn't know the storyline going into this one again I remember Kevin Owens being a heel um,
1: his face at the moment yeah his face at the
2: moment so I was like oh this is interesting fair enough I always remember Seth being uh, a heel even though I know in between those times that I've not been watching he has been face on occasion. Yeah. Uh, Seth's another one where I'm like, no, no, you're you're a heel, just just be a heel. Um, but like, it, they really sold me. Know having no understanding of the the the, the storyline behind it. It's with Seth being like, so Kevin, you you've never had your WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Like you've never had a chance. I mean, you you had that chance last year. Oh no, you weren't. You weren't even booked for WrestleMania last year, were you? Oh, that's a that's a shame. I, it's just like, instantly I was like, right, okay, I get this and I really want Kevin Owens to rip his fucking head off. Mm-hmm.
1: And <laughs> this is, this was the match that made me think uh, most about the point I mentioned before, which was, it's nice that we have these matches where we get to listen to them shit talk each other during the match. Like it's, Really dramatic because it's like they're having an argument, and for that purpose and that reason, it made it feel like a real slugging match, a real fight, which I really liked.
0: Of all the matches on night one, and I say matches, I'm excluding, you know, art student films. (laughs) Of all the matches on night one, this was the one where there was the most character work in the match. 100%. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, and it works because you've got the two, two of like top tier, gruntiest, most vocal. Motherfuckers in that roster. Hmm. You've just got, you know, Kevin making his noises and yelling and all this stuff. And all the while through, you've just got Seth going, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was spot on. He is a scary man. And they're very, very vocal, both of them.
0: This is one of the few matches where I actually know the story uh, behind it. Um, And it all dates back to Survivor series. Because Rollins was, of course, captain of Team Raw. Yeah. And Team Raw got their asses handed to them. So basically, like the night after Survivor Series, he came out and just shit-talked the entire roster for losing to the developmental brand. Um, And that's where his whole, I am the Monday Night Messiah, he's like, he's the only good one on Raw, Hmm. as far as he's concerned. Um, And Kevin Owens took offense to this, and they've been feuding ever since. Uh, And Rollins has teamed up with the Authors of Pain, who are now his disciples helping him beat the shit out of everyone who disagrees with his contention that he is the only good thing about Monday Night Raw. Uh, so that's where this whole
1: storyline has come from. I also really like, because before that point, because I actually I actually think I saw that actually, him uh, basically having a go at everyone else on, on Raw for not pulling their weight. Um, but up until that point, he had been at least trying to be a face. Yes. But the crowd... Work just kept booing him all. Yeah, the they didn't time. want him as a face. Yeah, they didn't want it, and they let him know. And eventually, it has manifested in him saying, "Well, okay, fuck it then. I will, I will be a heel then," which is kind of nice. I quite like that. Sometimes the WWE listens to the
0: crowd reaction and goes, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense." It did take a while. It, it took did. A long it usually time does. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: it usually does.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it was good.
0: And that so, was yeah. the last match of the night. Was it? Oh, yeah, because uh,
2: Braun right. Strowman versus Goldberg does not count. Right. So oh, God, I, yeah. I legitimately thought this is. I, I legitimately thought, given the the trouble that Braun has gotten himself into recently on the on on the uh, the internetosphere. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, he has a little bit. Um, I Wait, thought. What, what was this? Sorry, can you just he, tell me quickly?
2: Oh, he basically there was a an independent wrestler. Uh, oh, is it Evil Uno? Who I think so. Was basically doing a post about how. Hey, everybody! Like. Times are really, really bad for independent wrestlers at the moment because obviously we're not going to get booked for shows. This is—it's a a really bad time. We understand it's a really bad time for everyone, but if you're able to, now might be a really nice time to think about like supporting your, you know, independent wrestlers that you know, like buying t-shirts, merch, supporting in other ways, all that sort of stuff.
0: And Evil Uno, by the way, isn't speaking for himself here. He's actually one of AEW's talent.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like he's speaking
0: on behalf of the indies.
2: Yes. Uh, yeah, okay, and yeah. Braun, Braun Strowman took Umbridge with this, uh, and basically was just like, well, you know, well, I, I pulled, I was poor once, and I pulled myself mm-hmm. up by my bootstraps. So, uh, you know, what's the excuse?
0: He basically um, said, "Get a job." Yeah. Um like, which Braun, is the exact opposite? It's the exact opposite of uh, WWE fans will know him as Dean Ambrose, and AEW fans will know him as John Moxley. Moxley, yeah, yeah. Um, It it turned up during this whole lockdown thing that a bunch of indie promotions and indie wrestlers who did have, like, crowd funds received sizable, and I'm talking sizable, donations from someone called John Good, uh, which just happens to be John Moxley's real name. Um, So he's put his money where his mouth is, literally, and he's been going around literally backing independent wrestlers with all of his WWE money. Oh that's really amazing. He's like I don't fucking need it. I mean Moxley uh, Dean Ambrose famously when he was with WWE and touring he had a flat with a bed and a sofa and a TV in it. He's like why do I need things? I don't live here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm on tour all the time. So he's not a materialistic guy. Um he room shared, I can't remember who with. It was another WWE talent. Um, when he moved out, when he left the company, he left behind thousands of dollars worth of WWE merch that they'd given him over the years. And his roommate was like, what do I do with all this stuff? And he's like, I eh, donate it to charity. He's famously not materialistic, so he's yeah. got all this money, and he's like, well, what I do love is independent wrestling, so I'm going to make sure it survives.
2: Good old Dean Titty Master Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, because of that, I thought, well, Braun, Braun is A, in, in a bit of hot water at the moment, and B, is not the booked person to be in this match. It was meant to be Roman, right? It was meant yep. to be Roman, yep. which is why Roman is still on all that pirate like, um, yep. memorabilia. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> front man. and centre with a big sword, looking fucking majestic, I will say. Yeah, well, it's uh, a good
0: look for him. Yeah, yeah man.
2: Um, but no, it's Braun. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to guess that Goldberg is going to squash Braun in about a minute.
0: Yeah, but this is Bill, it hurts every time I get in a ring, Goldberg. Yeah, God, but he yeah.
2: shouldn't have won the title in the first fucking place. Then. I agree. Who did he I win completely it agree. Uh, Bray Wyatt. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> oh, yeah, I rem- I missed this one. Yes. I, did, he, yeah. did he win in Saudi Arabia?
1: That sounds right.
0: God, I forget where he actually won it.
2: But yeah, like so yeah, Goldberg was the champion, which should not have been the case. No. And that's what made me think, well, if he's the champion anyway when he shouldn't be, I reckon he'll squash Braun and that'll be it. And I was half right, it was a very short match, like two minutes. Yeah. Um But no, Braun wins in a very, very unsatisfying occurrence. Well it was finish, 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 finish.
1: Oh no, you forgot kick to the gut finish 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 finish. yeah very detail
0: uh yeah it was a kick to the gut three spears three power slams and then one biggest laugh of the night
2: intense running power slam (laughs) which is where he (laughs) turned on the spot (laughs) i'm and then the match was over i was gonna say really (laughs) poor match and then i realized you know what goldberg didn't try and do any jackhammers so no he did try Did, did he yeah, he tried to do the setup of the jackhammer,
0: and it got countered into oh, okay, a power yeah, like, slam.
2: Then it, he didn't. Th- th- bec- right, he didn't try to do a jackhammer. Is like I'm talking, mm. like him and Undertaker.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, no, that's no, that's fair. So,
2: so five stars because he didn't he didn't do a, a botched jackhammer. So that that's also, can I just say the, the
0: Goldberg entrance?
2: Oh, loses a lot
0: when there isn't an audience to chant his name why and it's they... just him walking through a corridor in a gym yeah.
2: why didn't they just do what they did in like 1999 and just pump the music pump the the, the, the fan chants into the music <laughs>
0: It was so. Everything, everything
1: about those two minutes were uncomfortable to watch. That's a very good point. Because, like, usually it looks like he's doing it for effect, but there, it just looks like he's bad at time management. Hasn't got ready ready and isn't in gorilla position yet.
2: Mr. (laughs) Mr. Goldberg, it's time. It's like, you do realize this is still on the schedule. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Put the music yeah, on anyway. I've got to do it now. Yeah. Second best thing about this match, though, is the, the title card moment that had uh, Braun Strowman uh, doing his pose thing of, like, with his hands out in front of him going, Roar! and, like, at the moment it was doing that, they brought up the Snickers logo, and it was directly <laughs> between his hands.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we finally come to the, the art student film. Um Undertaker versus AJ Styles, the Boneyard
2: match. Although I just was going to say as well, did you did you hear the explanation that they gave us to why it was why the match had changed from uh Roman versus Goldberg to No, Braun I Spurs? completely missed them explaining it. Did they ah. try? So uh Michael Cole said, uh due to um exceptional circumstances, Braun Strowman will be facing Goldberg tonight.
1: Yeah, that was it. Yeah. I mean there you he's go, not wrong.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go, that was it. That was the explanation. Card right. subject to change, yeah. Yeah, card subject to change. Right. So yes, the boneyard
1: match. Yes, I, yeah. This is interesting. This is interesting. Let's give our general thoughts first of all, because I'd like to gauge reactions before we get into this. All right. So <sighs> the boneyard
0: match. To give it some context for listeners who don't know what we're talking about. Oh yeah. Um, is a pre-taped on-location match between AJ Styles and the Undertaker, taking place uh, not in an arena, but in Ostensibly Sunnydale. in, in yeah, in <laughs> Sunnydale, was, in, yes. in a graveyard is the theory, um, and it's basically as far as I can tell, it's a burial match, which is an old old format of you know knock your opponent into the grave and bury them to win.
3: Yeah,
0: uh, Undertaker has done many of those, mm. and it's not unheard of for wrestling shows to do these pre-taped matches. And they always fall a bit flat with the crowd because they've been watching a live show all night and now they're watching a video. But there's no crowd, so they can indulge themselves a little bit. So that's the the setup. Um, I I didn't love it because I think Undertaker should have retired five years ago at least. Mm. But Mm -hmm. if you're going to make him shamble around, uh, then better to do it on a pre-taped segment where you can edit heavily than a live match in front of an audience. Uh, Because that way, at least, you can retake the botches, he can rest in between takes, and he can look... somewhat like his former intimidating self. Yeah. Not completely, but more so than any of his actual in-ring performances for the last decade.
2: I, I, I'm not going to lie. like The moment it went... Yeah, the, the whole lead up into it, and AJ, going like, I want the old school Undertaker, and then seeing the motorcycle pulling up, and I'm like, no, 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 AJ, further back, further back, not that old school, <laughs> older school, we don't want American badass. And we didn't get it, I no, maintained no.
0: this was a match between Alan Jones and Mark Calloway, yes. um, and that was my favourite thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I loved that the trash talk wasn't spooky Undertaker, I'm gonna bury you, but it's, what's my wife's name, AJ? How old am I again? You know, it was, on, it was personal. Go school. I liked that it was personal and it was just between two dudes. Mm. Uh, it wasn't the phenom versus the phenomenal one. It was just two guys having a fight. I think that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Gallows and Anderson turn up and summon druids. Uh, <laughs> yes. and then, then things start exploding <laughs> and Undertaker starts teleporting. And I was like, Well, I used to enjoy that it was just two
1: dudes having a personal fight, and now it's become something very different. Yes, he summoned 1d10 wizards, and then like, (laughs) fucking, like, that was my favourite bit, because he was taking all the druids out with one punch, and it was like one step away from Batman 66, we just needed the (laughs) graphics. <laughs> like, and then that would have been it. Because it, like Yeah, but they all go after him one at a time, just like they do Adam West. Yep. And I thought it was great. And I thought, I'm enjoying this. Like, it's weird and strange, but it's fun. And I'll tell you what,
0: Undertaker is too old to be doing this. I really wish he'd retired. But sitting there watching it, I was like, I'm glad they've taken the opportunity to do something a bit different, to step yes. outside of in-ring stuff and do something with a bit of story and a bit of
2: creativity behind it. I like this. Yep. Um, I, I do I, like creativity. I, I, Sorry, go ahead. That's it. I agree with all of that, except that last part. <laughs> 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 well, do and you think this time, sets a good precedent?
0: Yes. Yeah? You think this is good? Yes. Okay. I think, like, so when they f- first tried to do Final Deletion with Broken Matt Hardy in WWE, Oh, yeah. I, th- I think they were letting Matt do it because they'd seen that it worked elsewhere, but they were still holding back a little bit because they're the WWE. Um, I think this, and much more so the Firefly Funhouse match, suggests that someone in creative has finally got it. Um, we'll, we'll come to the Firefly Funhouse match. Mm-hmm. Boneyard was like the appetizer, and that was the main course of Fucking weirdness, <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I adored. And this, this whole episode is just me waiting to tell everyone how much I like that match. Absolutely. Um, so,
1: Boneyard was okay.
0: Let's keep going, so we can get to the Firefly Funhouse Wait, match. I, just I can really mark last, out
1: one last thing, okay? uh Because yeah, I did about the Boneyard match. Really love the moment where he, he opens his arms wide, and then there's an inferno stopping AJ escaping. All the things like that But the thing that stops him The thing that stops AJ Styles Is him being put into the grave Like we expected And then the smallest digger in the world <laughs> With with Undertaker on top of it Who is still admittedly old But a big guy It kind of made him look like He was on like a child's ride <laughs> And then a small dusting of dust falls down. I thought, well, it's editing. They're using editing here. So we're going to look down and it's going to be full. Or or they can, you know, do some kind of trickery to make it look like he's proper burying him. But they, they didn't do that. And I was like, okay, okay, fair enough. And then I, the liked, hand? I liked the little moment at the end where he took away the moss and you saw all along his name was written upon the gravestone. And I thought a very nice little touch at the end.
2: My... <laughs> The, the thing that it, the thing that just I I chuckled to myself. I had a really self indulgent chuckle when uh, when AJ was like on the ground and Undertaker was over. He was like, "Please don't bury me, Undertaker." Please don't, <laughs> Please don't bury me. Undertaker. And I looked at that moment. of Please don't bury me, Undertaker. And was, but in my brain, it just went <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page, two thousand and one. I I genuinely enjoyed
0: AJ Styles transition from cocky shit to terrified idiot <laughs> uh, a lot of his after the teleportation when he's just stumbling around getting hit going how how <laughs> was just so good I, I thoroughly enjoyed AJ's performance
1: in this I don't
2: understand
1: <laughs> going forward do we think this will change because AJ's been a heel for a while do you think he'll be resurrected
2: in some way after this I, I haven't watched it since so. he's, been, he's been buried so if he comes back he'll be back from the dead Do you reckon he'll take on the phenom gimmick well, he is the phenomenal one.
0: Yeah. So he could become mm. the
2: phenomenal one. Yeah. And he'll be there, like in a black robe with his arms outstretched, going, "The Earth is flat." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just going to keep reminding everybody that yeah, AJ Styles is a flat earther. Just just putting that out there.
0: Amazing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, I I have no idea because it seems like they're open to more creative ideas now. Triple H has promised us more of these outside of the box stuff, at least for the duration of this period of time. So who knows what they'll do with him?
2: Oh yeah, the other thing is like the Boneyard match was shot by the NXT crew, I believe. And it yeah, was it like, was, and it was like really the Boneyard match, the the uh, the match with the the Metallica and the motorcycles that was, yep. that, was that was run yeah. by Triple H's yep. crew, was it? I, <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm amazed and surprised.
0: Also, uh, set a reminder in your calendar now for uh, like. Somewhere between five and eight years and check for interviews of uh, talent just coming up to the main roster from NXT, doing interviews where they say, actually, my first appearance on WWE Network was as a druid in the Boneyard (laughs) match.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Because that's going to
2: happen. Yeah.
1: I love it. There's poor druids.
2: So, night two.
1: So we we didn't see pre-show for night two either? No, there's no pre-show
2: for the night two. Uh, Liv Morgan versus Natalia. There might as well have been no pre-show for <laughs> yeah. Night 2. Fair, 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 fair. But what we, what we did get before Night 2, do did you, did you, did you remember this? The same we, introduction. The same introduction. The same introduction <laughs> in every excruciating minute of it. Oh my we God. We paid good money for those graphics, damn it. <laughs> but don't worry, the, the, the blow is softened because we also get a second appearance by Stephanie McMahon.
1: Oh, Wow.
2: Oh god. Who she had basically be...
1: just stopped recording night one's introduction, took a breath, and then instantly recorded part two. Hope you yep.
2: enjoy WrestleMania. Welcome! Yep. WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. WrestleMania.
1: <sighs> <sighs> but this actually with cause the, the, this is actually a discovery for me because I had not ever seen uh this next contender wrestle before.
2: Who, Rhea Ripley?
1: I'd never seen her, and okay. i tell you what. All right. What you a remember,
2: discovery. You remember oh.
1: how I started out talking about Night One by marking
0: the
2: fuck out about Shayna Baszler?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, time to fucking mark out about Rhea Ripley. How fucking Rhea,
2: awesome is she? Rhea Ripley is my favorite women's wrestler on any current roster. She's At amazing. She is. So, like, it's... I can appreciate, like, someone coming in and seeing her now and going, oh my God, she's amazing, but, like, the first time I saw her was on the first May Young Classic, yep. and she was so different. She, she was, was nothing. Long, long blonde hair, smiley, wearing this kind of bright red getup, and her plain was... red
0: singlet. Yeah, um, her whole gimmick was she was an Australian soccer player. Uh, and, yeah, right. And and she was nothing. I think she like, got knocked I... out in the
2: first round. Uh,
0: did she? No, no, she she won the first round, but lost to Dakota Kai in the second round.
2: Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but okay, yeah. So she start her first appearance on WWE was in the first May Young Classic, where I literally described her as the nothing blonde extra. Yeah. Ooh. Um, she's exactly Vince's type: tall, leggy, blonde, competent in the ring. That's all Vince needs, and that's all she was. Yeah. As far as I was concerned, almost every single person. Actually, I'm going to just check the roster for the first May Young Classic and see who was in it. Abby Leith, Ayesha Raymond, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Jazzy Gaber, Kyrie Sane, Kavita Devi, Kaylee Ray, Lacey Evans, Marty Bell, Mercedes Martinez, Mia Yim, uh, Miranda Salinas, Nicole Savoy, Piper Niven, Princess Sujit, uh, Rachel Evans, Raina Gonzalez, Renee Michelle, Rhea Ripley, Sage Beckett, Santina Garrett, Sarah Logan, Serena Deeb, Shayna Baszler, Tynara Conti, Tessa Blanchard, Tony Storm, Vanessa Bourne, Zayali, and Zita. So, yeah, of that list, I put her at the bottom in terms of interestingness.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, she was the least interesting person there. Wow, okay. That was three years ago. Now she's at WrestleMania having a championship match with Charlotte
1: Flair, and she fucking deserves it. Well, it's yeah. interesting you say that, actually, because <laughs> she. Her. her um... Her introduction was her sat talking about how she'd always been compared yep. to Charlotte Flair, which, which I, I thought was very interesting. I don't it's think also, it's true. Yeah, I don't think it's true. She does have a similar facial structure. I was looking at her and I was like, oh, okay, no, I can see maybe, but I have not seen her as the uh, the blonde version of her from well, the beginning of her
2: this career. Is the so. thing is like, yeah, like the, uh, the second Mae Young Classic rolled around. It was like, oh, this match is going to have Rhea Ripley. And I was like... Oh, was she in? She was in last year's, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, she was like kind of the, the football player. Yeah, okay. And then she comes out to the ring wearing the, the studded leather with the buzz cut on yep. one side. Yeah, she's gone completely
0: metal redesign over the year.
2: And her match was literally just picking up and smashing Casey Catanzaro all over the fucking shop. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened?
0: And the answer is she got a personality.
2: Yeah, it was it was a fucking incredible. She was just on a dime, just flipped and was like, right, Kyrie Sane was my favourite from year one. And boom! Here we go. Now it's 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 all about Rhea Ripley. She looks thing, like a
1: Wick div character, especially she in, really does
3: now. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I've just realised, you know, um, I recently had my hair cut to a side shave, and I was actually imitating and Jaffe. But I just realised I've got the same haircut as Rhea Ripley, and I'm okay <laughs> nice. with oh, that. Jealous? Yes. Um cool. And the thing is, like, okay, so Rhea Ripley over that year, she not only got better in the ring, and she did. Mm um she also developed a character and the thing is it's uh there's so many wrestlers over history have said if you want to get anywhere you've got to do it yourself you've got to build a character you can live and get it over Mm -hmm. and yeah we hadn't seen her in a year she went from being a second round knockout to a semi-finalist um losing only to Io Shirai uh in the second Mae Young classic which is already a huge fucking leap forward yeah and then she came into nxt and she got herself over she definitely did the work she uh, was the first nxt uk women's champion which is a great chance to be a heel being an aussie uh, stealing the UK, <laughs> uk women's belt in the uk fantastic heel work well done Rhea. yeah um she eventually lost that and came to nxt proper and my god from her appearance in August last year, because NXT UK, I like it, but it's not on the same level as NXT, which is not on the same level as the main roster. Um, it is the smallest of small fry in the WWE world. Mm. And and she was good there. You know, I really enjoyed her, but I mean, and she was there with some incredibly talented people. Let's, let's not um, under understate this. She was there with, Tony Storm, she was there with Kaylee Ray, she was there with Viper, some of my favorite women's wrestlers. I loved that work. But when she came in and started feuding with Shayna Baszler, like I said, she was one of the people that uh, she, Shayna Baszler started looking over her shoulder when Rhea was around, actually seemed to unsettle her. And just in a year since, less than a year since, she's had that incredible feud with Baszler. Uh, an incredible War games match where she won by h- handcuffing Shayna Baszler with cuffs that Shayna tried to use on Rhea because she was scared of Rhea. Uh, she then took the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, she then, you know, um, started appearing on the main roster. She's had matches against main roster women. Uh, she has gone she's had like this meteoric rise Mm. and she has never at any point looked like she's out of her depth yeah she has looked like she's exactly where she belongs up to and including working with charlotte flair at wrestlemania i fucking love Rhea for being the hardest working person in that company right now
1: and to me, genuinely, I genuinely thought she was going to win that as well. Same. Um, and it, it's not just because of the, uh, you know, the, the, the playing on that or anything. I just was looking at her and thinking, not only is she keeping up with Charlotte Flair, like narratively, but like you can see technically, definitely on the level easily. Uh, I kind of knew she
0: wasn't gonna because this match exists for one reason. NXT make- is on Wednesday night. AEW is on Wednesday ah, night. Of
1: course. Of
0: course. Uh, so they're sending Charlotte Flair to Wednesday night For the to ratings. help in the ratings war. Yes. But- so cynically, I kind of knew Charlotte was going
1: to Wednesdays. Yeah, Ugh. but come on. She's incredible. She could, like... I mean, I, she's not the it, same name as having Flair, admittedly. Flair's a big name in the business. But come on. She
2: could do it. And this, oh, Rhea's great, but yeah. she's not a Flair. Charlotte... Yeah is a flair. And this is yeah. this is the thing is like I re- I I get that a lot of fans really don't like Charlotte Flair and they really don't like Charlotte Flair winning matches <laughs> especially not for titles.
1: That's the um, point though, isn't it? Like she's supposed to be that at the moment, yeah, right?
2: But I I cannot find it in myself to dislike Charlotte Flair. <laughs> I think she I is, love Charlotte Flair. She's fucking phenomenal. She, she is, is amazing. Yeah, 100%. Um, no, I I love
0: Charlotte Flair. I do not think that at this point in her career, she should be an eleven-time
2: WWE champion. Like you know, what uh, Rick Rick held what sixteen titles 16. across across forty years. Yeah, and she has held eleven over five.
0: Yeah, and Cena has fifteen over his entire career.
2: I thought so, he had seventeen now. He was, no, he was one uh, over. He was one over Ric Flair. I'm pretty sure he's one under. Oh, okay. I might have to look that one up later, but yeah. Because
0: I'm pretty sure it's it's one of the things he's never done in his career is exceed flair. Ah Um.
1: I mean That plays into the the Firefly Contest.
0: Um but yeah, so I let me just check on Cena's number. 17.
2: Is it? No way. What the,
0: the main championship?
2: Ten world titles and uh eight oh Seven, technically, seven world heavyweight titles, which is counts as the other one. So, like, because they were split, but they still count as one because they wouldn't have been split when. I'm looking Flair at had Cena.
0: Uh, WWE Championship 13 times, Heavyweight Championship 3 times, 16. He's equal. Never ah, bested.
2: Okay. Cool. There you go. Uh,
0: so, he's never bested Flair. He's just equaled it. Yeah. Um, and, like I said, Charlotte
1: 11 already. Uh, it's a bit much. Yeah, it portrays um, the nature of the, how the business has changed, though hasn't it? Like, well, it all comes far more quickly. It's especially
0: the women's when it f- was first introduced because they wanted to give it a history quickly. Uh, they hot potatoed it back and forth between her and Sasha so quickly. Yeah, uh, it, was, it, was always, it was always ridiculous.
2: Charlotte would win it at a pay per view and then lose it on a um, on TV. Sasha ball was ball. never
0: allowed to win on a pay per view. Yeah, bless. Sasha. Uh, um... But I do love Charlotte Flair. I, th- I think technically she's great. On the mic, she's great. I love her entrances. Her arriving in a helicopter in the full gown was amazing. Everything about Charlotte I like, uh, yep. apart from the fact that she took Rhea Ripley's championship off her. Yeah. But if it means we get a worked program, a
1: feud between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, okay. That's Wait, was it- that... Sorry, was that... Was that? Was that I, I thought Charlotte already had the NXT... No.
2: No, no, no. She so was... what,
0: what happened was, um, this storyline it, it speaks so much about Rhea Ripley's character and her cockiness and arrogance, uh, which is perfect for her character, is Charlotte Flair won the Rumble. Um, shouldn't have, should have been Baszler, but Charlotte Flair won the Rumble. Yes, I remember, yeah. Which gives her the chance to challenge any champion for their title. Yeah. And so on Raw, Rhea Ripley turned up and basically said yeah, have a go at mine and beat her up. <laughs> so Rhea went looking for that fight, and so Charlotte then turned up on NXT and basically said, "Yeah, all right," and then attacked Rhea.
1: Yeah, so I'd say overall, then that the it's um, it's kept the hierarchy in place. Then I suppose, like, it isn't it better that way that like that she remains. Like, don't get me wrong. I wanted Rhea to win that, but like, in the grand scheme of things, because of what you just mentioned, there isn't it fit better that that's how the match went. No, I think Rhea retaining would have been amazing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but enough, if she, if she has to lose it, I guess it's better that she loses it in front of no one, where no one will ever remember this match against like you.
1: the one of the best in the world at like. I mean, if it's gonna yeah. be someone,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, losing to Charlotte Flair is no great shame.
3: Yeah, and so, like I
0: said, if it leads to a brilliant feud between them with Rhea getting it back, I'm okay with that. Absolutely,
2: hundred percent. Yeah. So, Simon, you watch it. You watch the show more often than we do. Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. Yes. What's all that about then? I don't know, but they're both good wrestlers. I mean, yes, but why are they having a match at WrestleMania?
1: I don't know, but they're both good wrestlers. <laughs> I I assumed that that was because someone had dropped out again because I was a little confused by that. I was like,
2: oh, okay, these two. Like last um, I knew, Lashley was feuding with um, oh fucking what's his name, the Bulgarian guy, Rusev. Rusev.
1: Yeah. Oh Rusev. Is that yeah? Not- they they were feuding. Oh okay. Oh, there was that marriage thing, wasn't it? They- yeah, yeah, it was a <laughs> whole
0: whole cuckolding storyline that I'm pretty sure Paul Heyman was writing.
2: If oh, I think it's I think it's Vince because literally any time if a if a actually married wrestler turns up in WWF or WWE with their spouse, they will not survive being in that environment together
1: See, I that I would have thought it would be Vince because we've had this before Paul yeah
0: but been, we've had it? this
1: before whilst Paul Heyman's been
0: writing yeah before. that's fair, that's fair. I'm it, pretty it, sure it's it, Heyman
2: it happened with Mark Merrow and Sable it happened with Macho Man and Liz Like, it just seems to be the thing of a storyline will happen where they get split up or cuckolded or what have you um, and then they break up for realsies it just seems to keep happening and it's very odd
0: Yeah, but they had the blow-off match for that feud back at um, TLC. Okay. So uh, this match was, I I think it was just a, here is a good wrestler, here is a good wrestler, let's see them fight. Yeah. I don't think every storyline needs a storyline, you know? Cool. Was Black won that one, right? I can't remember. He did? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Black masked the hell out of Bobby Lashley, as he always does. He kicked (laughs) them in the face and then won. (laughs) Oh that, that is Alistair Black's thing. He yeah. kicks you in the face, then he wins. Sure.
2: Other than yeah. that, we're not entirely sure what his gimmick is other than maybe Satan? I don't fully know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no,
0: no, no, no. There's no Satanism here because his his whole intro is no man is truly good, no man is truly evil. He's uh... in that grey area in between. Um, very occultist, certainly, but not satanic.
2: Cool, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I've got to admit, I really, really, really like the next match. What was Like, it? Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Well, I was going to say,
1: by this logic, does that mean that Otis and Mandy Rose are now a real couple?
2: Well, um, <laughs>
0: okay, so the thing about... I hate the whole storyline but this, because it's all about body-shaming Otis. Right, basically, uh, yeah. Which it, is a, a classic WWE storyline. He's fat, lol. Yes, um, and basically. that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. um, however, I actually like that
2: this one ended up with Mandy and Otis... Going off together. So, so yeah. I said, "No, I like, actually." Yeah, it had the payoff. Yeah, yeah, it's that like you, was you're, expect- you're expecting it to go to that mean punchline, and it doesn't. So that that redeemed it a little bit in my eyes. It's still a bullshit storyline to do it at all, but at least it went the right way in the end. And it's got Otis to the point where he's pretty much the most like actually popular guy on the roster at the moment. Well, okay. The thing about Otis and Tucker, heavy machinery in general.
0: Are both wonderful entertainers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's elimination chamber when
1: they were stuck in the pod, the whole thing was amazing. It was a joy. I I love them both, and I really and and I hadn't watched any of this build up. Uh, actually, no, tell lie. I had seen Otis save Mandy. Well, did he save her in the, uh, the in the rumble? Yeah, yes. yeah. He jumped by just being her, a carpet he? yeah. for her to stand on. <laughs> so yeah. I had I had seen that, which I thought was really funny. But in the build up, I hadn't realised. That Dolph Ziggler had been involved in this storyline I I really like Dolph Ziggler and him like evilly laughing before going <laughs> to like the restaurant to like she, have like, a Michael Valentine's now. dinner yeah like him just rubbing his hands I just thought I love this guy just because he's <laughs> evil like I love him I can't help it. Zoe so he doesn't like Dolph Ziggler but only
0: because his name reminds her of the Wiggler from Adventure Time <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he Diggler at one point as well? Was that no, but before? that's the whole reference.
2: Uh, I think.
0: I think it is a Diggler reference. Oh, okay. I'm. Just I I
2: don't now. like his. I don't like his hair currently.
0: He... I was also glad that Sonya Deville interfered in this match because <laughs> they've forgotten that her and Mandy Rose are a thing. I think.
2: Yeah, and now they can feud. Yes, that's hundred
1: percent what. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and
2: to counter, I love his hair.
1: The more mane like, the better. <laughs> well, he's a lion. Be, it
2: used to be frizzy and wonderful, and now it's like he's gone into a, sh- a barber's and going, I want to look like Axl Rose. <laughs> <laughs> but worse? More to the point, I don't want Sonya
0: and Mandy to feud. I just, now that they're broken up, I want Sonya to go into singles title contention and then be gay as hell all over the women's championship uh, <laughs> uh, uh, forever.
1: Yeah. Amazing, yes. So that was that. What was after?
0: Oh. Uh, a nearly a 36-minute match was
1: oh, after that. Oh, my God. You say
2: match. Yes, I do. Oh, my fucking God. I liked this match. This was potentially my least favorite thing on the entire card. Right, my, this is
0: this is where we're going to disagree. This is yeah. going to be interesting. I mean, so go ahead. There is one thing I hated about this match. Actually, no, two things I hated about this match. You could hear the calls. That's what I was going to say. No, no, that's fine. No, uh, okay, I'll forgive that. Way. That's all part of the mechanics of wrestling. No, fair, fair. One, Edge being back at all.
2: Yeah. D- yeah. Don't do
0: it. Fucking don't do it.
2: Yeah. But if
0: you are going to do it, mm-hmm. I feel so sad that after nine years, when he really shouldn't be, he comes back for a WrestleMania match and there's no one to cheer yeah. yeah. His that his entrance. broke My heart when I heard you think you know me. Silence.
2: Duh, 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 duh. And then it's just like the music even seemed quieter. It was Yeah. And I uh, my
0: heart broke in my chest for him because I was like, this should be your night. This should be because the whole thing was him coming back to retire on his terms. Yeah. Yeah. So this should be the biggest night of his career that leaves him happy to go away from the business, and it's not. No, he's got something now, isn't he? Yeah. That said, the actual match itself, the history between Edge and Orton, I think, um, called spots aside, the acting in it between the two, I thought worked
1: really well. Oh, it yeah. could have done with being maybe 10 minutes shorter, I'll give it that. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, see, the thing is, I, uh, I watched the Rumble and uh, I didn't know I didn't watch it live I watched it after the fact but I didn't know that Edge had to come back so when that did happen and he did come back I, for the first time in a long time in watching wrestling, had chills. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my fucking mm-hmm. God, it's Edge. Oh my God. Lost my mind. So I had like... And he has aged well. He looks fucking good. He He's wearing glorious. that bit of grey so well. Glorious, mm. yeah. But there, there was one bit that really made me cringe as well. I thought they genuinely had an accident. Because uh, Edge did this thing where he jumped up. Uh... Oh no, it wasn't when he jumped up and grabbed hold of the rails. But he basically kicked Orton back. And Orton appeared to trip over one of the weights oh, oh and i thought oh shit like he might have actually properly tripped over because the whole point of wrestling is you control your fall yeah it's not like trip over wildly backwards and like in a gym
2: as we've established so i was like oh jesus i i've gotta say i this is something i didn't pick up on at the time and then afterwards after hearing some people sort of talking about the show and going oh i didn't cotton on to that oh I know that's not what they were trying for, but now I feel really uncomfortable about it. Is them pointing out? Yeah, I don't like having wrestlers do strangulation spots with gym equipment. Um, and like, yeah, it suddenly realizing, oh shit, yeah, that's that's super awkward now. Did um, someone get hurt doing that before? Uh That's that's how Chris Benoit. Um, oh no yeah. way! Mm.
1: Oh fuck! And it's, hell. it's something I
2: didn't pick up on at the time, but after reading and, and hearing that sort of stuff, afterwards, I was like, "Oh fuck! Yeah, I, that's not what they were going for." I'm hundred percent sure that's not what they were like. Hundred percent sure. Yeah. it's a but, valid criticism. But it is one of those things that when you notice it, you're like, "Oh shit! No, I, mm, no, that's no good."
1: Do you want to? Do you want to hear my one of my friends' valid criticisms of that match, which I thought was fucking excellent, because only was- he could could make this observation watching them obviously like fight through all of the performance center and the only thing that he could comment upon the match was uh they haven't gaffered that tape down, the, those wires down he's a, techie. he's a techie and he was like that's against health and safety and I was like, pretty much all of this is against health and safety but I, yeah fair yeah, point
2: i i had the, i had the same worries as you did simon to begin with where it's like all right edge I I can't comment on, like, he shouldn't be back wrestling, yada, yada. Like, if he he has been medically cleared and he feels... It's his choice. It makes me uncomfortable,
0: but it is his choice.
2: Exactly. So I was like, all right if he's gonna come back, if he's gonna come back, tag matches. Something where he can be protected, he can have less time in the ring, fine. But, no, okay, we're gonna put him in a singles match. Okay. What sort of a singles match? A last man standing match, which are classically never shorter than 20 minutes, and, like, Oh, fuck, this is well, going to be... Well, this is the thing. Like, how long it
0: goes doesn't matter. That's not the risk. The bumps are the risk. Yeah. It's not endurance. It's not cardio. He's fine for that. He's jacked as oh, fuck. Oh, ab-
2: absolutely, yeah. But um, it, there are more opportunities the longer it goes for something to go wrong. Is but I'll I'm tell thinking. you this about Edge from
0: what I know and what I've observed. He wouldn't come back for anything less.
2: Absolutely. And again... So he if he's going to gonna like,
0: come back, it, this is what he's going to
1: do.
2: Yeah, it's his choice, but it still makes us... Can yeah. I can yeah. I
1: ask because I'm actually unaware of this because I've heard or rather he said when he came back, uh, I watched a clip of him talking on Raw after he'd come back into from the, in the rumble. He said that he went through a surgery to ha- to be match fit again. Is that true? Did he actually have to go through surgery again it to was be some, match fit
2: From what I recall, it was something to do with stem cell something or other. Yeah, um, that's
1: valid for sure.
2: St- stem cell treatments. Um Okay. But yeah, he's apparently, like, he's absolutely fine. It's one of those things where, like, every single sign seems to point to, he's absolutely fine and can wrestle. I mean, but, he's not fine. He's
0: got three fused vertebrae in his neck.
2: Right, but this is the thing, and everyone, <sighs> all, all the stuff is just like, he can still wrestle, he can go, you know, it, and, uh, but still, I'm just like, yeah, but I'm still going to be really worried anytime anything happens to him. Um... Which I guess we should be worried about any wrestler or anything <laughs> happening to oh, yeah them. for sure but but, but not all of them have three fused vertebrae in their neck exactly um the other things that annoyed me about this what what annoyed me about this match rather than like maybe upset or, or cringe um is the fact that they couldn't do anything with the arena because it's it's not a gimmicked arena it is it is the performance center mmm so you can't be smashing anyone through walls. You can't be doing ridiculous spots.
0: I mean, yeah. you say that, but Gargano and Champa had a fight through there recently, and they smashed every window and mirror going.
2: Yeah, but like, because they set up for like a gimmick, gimmick sort of thing there, whereas with this, they didn't. Like, there was no, they didn't. That's yeah. the
0: thing. They just went, we own this, we can do what we want with it. <laughs>
2: yeah, and, and it's the whole bit of they're like pointing at this big wall, essentially, in one of the sections, and they're like, oh shit, they're going to go through that wall. Like No... Or when Orton is underneath the biggest ladder in the known universe. (laughs) Right,
0: here's the thing. I actually took that another way. Like, because there were no big gimmick spots, Mm. it felt more grounded. It felt more like two guys, not in the prime of their lives, slugging the fuck out of each other where they work. I kind of
1: loved this weird reality that gave it. See, that's what and I liked most about it, was the fact that it was two guys with a lot of history and also history. finally making Orton more interesting to me again because it's been a while. <laughs> um, like, yeah, it felt like a, something that we have been waiting for for a long time to happen again. And yeah, it was great. And to, to complete the thought that I was having earlier, sorry, it could have maybe
0: done with being 10 minutes shorter, but if it was any shorter, the impact of them both being so broken at the end of it would have been lessened hmm we needed those last 10 slow minutes for the finish where edge wouldn't let it finish um i i in those last 10 minutes i was like this could have been over by now this could have been over by now and then at the actual finish i was like oh i get it i Uh, get the story you were telling
2: I, i i i i see your point but this honestly it bored me to tears, and it felt like they were they were pointing to sections and pointing to to spots that never materialized, which really really left a sour taste in my mouth and made me feel not necessarily robbed but like just let down a little bit like again Fair enough this could have been shorter and they and they could have done it's not often that you have this could have been shorter and you could have done more with it normally it's, <laughs> you can do more with it or you can make it shorter and I feel like this match they could have done both of those things and it would have been better for it. I
0: just mm. feel like for the characters they told the story that those characters needed to tell and yeah. one of those characters is Edge who I've always been a mark for. Oh, absolutely. So for me it was it was very satisfying. I completely take your criticisms mm. and anyone who sits there and goes I did not want to watch 36 minutes of that I'll go yeah fair. Yeah. But for me it was it was good comfort food apart from the incredible uh, ground glass in the comfort food of edge please don't be doing
1: this yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was it was overwhelmingly great to see him back i think that was the main takeaway for me even though i felt yeah it went long it was still seeing edge doing something we didn't think we'd ever see him do again and i know you say that's bad for a few reasons and i kind of i'm with you there also but yeah it was great to see him bless him
0: No, street Profits against Angel Gaza and Austin Theory. Who? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Austin Theory's great. Describe Austin Theory. I don't remember. He's Austin this one. Theory. He's fucking brilliant. Uh, oh, no, I'm sure he's great. Describe him. <laughs> I mean, he's a dude. Right. He's got. He's about our face. six foot. <laughs> He's about 210, 215
2: pounds. Can you, can you, he has two eyes and nose and a Can you lead me into this match? Can you lead me into this match and tell me why this tag team is the tag team that it is? Because Angel Gaza and Austin Theory are both really good. Who do they normally tag with? Because they don't normally tag with each other, do they? And Zelina Vega doesn't normally <laughs> manage them, does she? I mean, no. No. <laughs> All of that is true. All of that is entirely valid criticism. <laughs> I was very confused by this match.
1: I'm glad I'm not the only one then, because I, I honestly, I, I'm actually struggling to remember what happened in this one, to be honest, but I remember just not connecting with this in, 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 in much.
0: Although, I mean, Selena Vega has been working with uh, Gaza for a while. Yeah, in fairness. Right. Okay. Um, although not Austin.
2: Yeah, Admittedly. So because does Garza normally tag with Almas?
0: Um, to be honest, I don't watch enough of the main product to know if they do. Okay. Uh, I know that they are both associates of Selena Vega, right, as it were. But I don't know if that makes them a team, or just sort of allies. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest, I have no idea why they're a tag team. <laughs> I have no idea why they're competing for the tag titles. Um, but sort of doesn't matter in as much as I actually really enjoy the Street Profits and it was only a six-minute match. So it was fine.
2: And we get main roster turn up of uh, Bianca.
0: Yes, and I love Bianca
2: Belair. I love me some Bianca Belair. She is incredible.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, Rhea Ripley's trajectory has been phenomenal, but Bianca's just on a slower path to the same level. Yeah. Uh, she has got the whole package. The only problem is she's not blonde, so Vince won't let her rise so fast. She'll have to actually prove herself. But oh, I watch NXT, and every week she's proving herself. Bianca Belair is fucking amazing.
1: Really long ponytail. Yeah, yeah. Top top braid. She uses it as a
0: whip. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she is amazing. She has some of the most impressive core strength of anyone in the WWE. Yeah. Her deadlifts are deadlifts. They're not assisted by the person she's picking up. She is amazing. (laughs) Holy shit. Uh, Yeah, I love Bianca Belair. And um, she's actually with Montez Ford in real life. Yes. Which is why they've been sort of thrown together as a bit of a stable. And I I find Street Profits incredibly entertaining. I find Bianca Belair endlessly entertaining and endlessly impressive. Uh, Her whole thing (laughs) when she was feuding with Rhea when Charlotte started getting involved and her fury at Charlotte Flair's arrogance and entitlement (laughs) of just coming to NXT and taking her title shot was amazing. (laughs) Leading to the wonderful moment where she just stares down Charlotte Flair and says, You don't even go here! (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love
2: Bianca Belair. That is awesome. Oh, I love it. I
0: like that. Uh, So yeah, it was fine. Like It's four incredibly talented people I love Zelina, I love Bianca. They had six minutes on the card they needed to fill, and they filled it with an entertaining match. Yeah. It was fine. No no it, complaints.
2: It didn't stand out, but it was fine. No complaints except I was really confused which version very was
0: <laughs> Don't worry, you'll get more confused before the night is over. Oh my goodness.
2: Coming up next, women's Smackdown title match. Oh,
0: okay, yep. yeah, yeah, okay. Um, um, my only complaint about this is give Tamina the title.
2: She's suffered enough. Just let. She has suffered her enough. Just let her have a title reign, and then she can retire. It did retire. She she shouldn't be retiring.
0: To be
1: honest, the way the WWE treated her, I would if I was
0: her.
2: Yeah.
1: Any match she's in, it's kind of like the foregone conclusion. You're like, well, look at her; she's bound to win, and she doesn't. It's like Big Show never winning the Rumble. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: (laughs) But he has to win the Rumble, Simon. He's 500 pounds. No one would be able to lift him up over the top ropes. It, it's scientifically impossible. Therefore, Big Show must win every single Rumble. And yet. <laughs> and yet. Here we are.
1: He doesn't need to. Now he's got his own hit sitcom before uh, a studio live audience. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. God, I watched some of
2: that. Oh, is it already out? It's yeah. on Netflix. I've watched, I've watched the autoplay when you hover over it on Netflix, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I think very, very I made quickly. it through,
0: like, four minutes of an episode. It is painfully bad. It's like the director has gone to every actor involved and said, look, it's Paul's show. You, <laughs> you, you can't show him up. You have to act worse than him.
2: Isn't that Isn't that basically how they booked WWE CW? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's horrible. And the thing is, these other actors have been in other shows. I know they're competent actors, so why are they so bad? And it can only be that someone's had a word and said, you can't outshine Big Show on his own show. (laughs) Reel it
2: back in. Otherwise, we'll have to rename it, and the Big Show show is already a stupid name.
1: (laughs) It's so bad. Anyway. um... Yeah, sorry, let's carry on.
2: (laughs) I just was amazed. I thought it was a skit, and it it, it wasn't. It's real. (laughs) It's real. No, it's a real show, and it's awful. I think it started out as a skit, and then nobody had the heart or the balls to tell to tell <laughs> yeah, why exactly. No, it. and now it's this elaborate ruse that's just gone out of control.
0: Uh, so yeah, um, we have the uh, the fatal five way. That's yes. a well known match type. Yeah. Wow. Not um, a
1: fatal four way, a fatal five way. Odd so- number. Good choice. So they teased the idea with it with the interviews at the beginning with Bailey and Sasha, and it, yeah. was, and it was kind of like, oh, okay. So is Sasha gonna backstab they- Bailey
2: and take the take the title? It's happened before. Like, how many times have they how many times is, does that make this 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 angle of oh but will Sasha and Bailey turn on one oh, another? Oh just
0: once, but it's been going for four years. Oh
2: okay, cool. Is it is it <laughs> they are basically the the Kane and Undertaker. Oh, but whose side are they on? You know? Yeah, they are the will they won't they couple
0: of WWE and always have been. Right. Um My only complaint about this match, if I'm honest, is Lacey Evans is right there on that list of I thought it was cute when I thought it was a gimmick.
2: Yes. Oh my God! Finding out about her has been... Ooh, what? Yeah, mean? she's a racist. A what? Racist? Sorry, I
1: I didn't mean to say a oh, what. i just meant to say, <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no. Uh, what? What she said? What she done?
0: I can't remember the exact statements, but she's ma- made some sort of out of the ring statements oh. uh, in social media and stuff that have been very... Oh, um, uh, I can't remember what other phobics were in there but there were plenty um yeah yeah, she's not a nice person and when i thought the whole snitty southern belle thing was a gimmick i loved it i thought it it's the same exactly the same thing i get from enzo amore yeah
3: Mm. when i thought it was a character
0: i thought this is brilliant creative character work and then i found out Oh, you're actually like that. You're a shoot bollocks, is what you are. I, I hate you now. He's crazy. Because you're not acting. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. So any match Lacey's in, that's always going to be the problem of... Yeah. tainted. Yeah, you, you, you suck as a human being. Um. That aside, I thought it was a really good match. Yeah. And I I, I really like... Can I speak to the manager, Bailey?
2: <laughs> oh, my, so Rowan and I had this discussion where it was like... Well, is this a is this a worse haircut than when she had long hair? And we were just going, no, she's just always had really bad haircuts. Aww. Like that is not it's not a, it's not a judgment thing on her. Like that's that's not like oh she's terrible because it's like no she just hasn't ever been able to find a good haircut for her head. She's not Becky with the good hair. She's Bailey with the bad hair. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: and you, you, she is standing next to Sasha Banks, who is yeah that doesn't help. Holy yeah. shit!
2: <laughs> but it is absolutely a Karen haircut now. Karen
0: it really is. Is. Yes it is. Yeah. And the first time I saw it I was like, "Oh, she wants to talk to the manager." Bailey has had a word <laughs> with management and that's why she's champion now. She
1: needs to wear a pantsuit suit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she should. She really should when she's not wrestling. Uh no, I absolutely love the 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 reconstructed heel Bailey. I I mm. think she's fantastic. And I've wanted Bailey to have some success for a very long time and she's finally getting it. And she's doing so much with it, and she's having so much fun. Good. She yeah, I always really think that. Yeah. When a wrestler I enjoy does a heel turn, I sit there and go, oh, they're having so much fun. Because I swear, <laughs> being a heel is so much more fun than being a face. Oh, ab- yeah, absolutely. it's gotta
2: be, for sure. And also take away from this is that something I also, also felt at the Rumble, which is, oh my god, Naomi's new look is fucking amazing. Oh, the neon. Yeah, well, like it's it's still the neon that she has, but like her hair isn't. It? She's got the afro back and all that kind of stuff. When and-
1: Naomi first turned
0: up with her natural hair, I I yeah. was so happy. I was like, "You look so damn good now."
2: Yeah, I mean, she's always looked phenomenal. Like, but, like, she always has, but yeah. there's
0: a difference between looking phenomenal in an acceptable way, yeah, quote unquote, massive air quotes, and looking acceptable as a role model with natural hair. In a v- predominantly white business, and I was like, "Fucking yes!"
1: I think yeah. it's time
2: to talk about the match. Let's talk about no, the no,
1: Firefly. not the match. It- oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the
0: the event, the <laughs> Dude, phenomenon.
2: Don't speak about the event. <laughs> so, I, Stay honestly,
0: if this is one you didn't like, Kyrie, there's going to be scenes. Uh, Because we're now going to talk about the best thing WWE has done in years.
2: (sighs) This, Do you remember how I said that the last man standing match was one of my least favorite things?
0: Oh, there's going to be scenes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I honestly absolutely fucking despised this. (gasps) This is the best
0: thing the WWE have done in years. As I tweeted at the time, but as I also tweeted... It will also be the most hated. Yeah. Um. So I know why you're saying that. And I, I get where you come from. As soon as I saw it, I knew people would have that reaction. So yeah, my exact tweet was the Firefly Funhouse match will undoubtedly be the most hated thing WWE have done in years. It also happens to be hands down the absolute best thing they've mm. done in years. I then added, I went back and watched the Firefly Funhouse again. It's not often I go back to watch a WWE match again. Certainly not in the same day. It's really something special.
1: Kyrie, can you just say why you didn't like it? Because Simon, you're saying, oh, I know why you're going to say you don't like it, but I don't know why. Because I I really liked it too, but I would like you to know, you know, before we go into
2: it. See, it would be. It's really difficult to sort of put a, a specific finger on it because i i realize that a lot of the arguments that i can make about it do end up make me making me sound like a like a um fucking what's his name i realize i'm, I'm likening myself to that that jim racist Cornette. Piece, a racist piece of shit like jim cornet oh, like Jesus. i i do not believe i do not believe his thing of funny don't make money like i don't believe that is the case i don't believe <clears throat> that you can't this was this. not comedy no but like it's it's also <laughs> not straightly super serious like a, a a straight down the middle NWA classic match is it? Um, no, no. Um, I, I so I'm not taking that standpoint that like oh it's different. It's 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 not taking things seriously, um, and doing everything the same way. Therefore, it's of no value. I just think it could have. I don't even know if it could have been done better, or whether this is literally the best version of itself that it could be. I just think it was an incredibly self-indulgent. This is just for us. Um, it it's it felt like it was it was Bray Wyatt, it was Wyndham Rotunda and John Cena, <coughs> just just shaking each other's hands and being just like, "Oh, you know what? We love wrestling." There's just the whole the spectrum of wrestling. I'm like, that's cool, guys. Do a podcast. Do do something. But it wasn't about wrestling at all. Uh, it the, was
1: about Cena.
2: Yes, but... Uh, Which like, is
1: why this is, the and again, going back to what I was saying before, because of the fact you don't have an audience, because you have this opportunity to maybe uh, do some character stuff. Because some of the things that I love most about wrestling are their characters rather than the actual matches they have. So I really, really liked that this was a like a deconstruction of deconstruction John Cena's
0: is absolutely right. And it is deconstruction and- characters. Mm, yes. And more yeah, importantly,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: his his failures, his fears, and why. So, okay, it's going to be complicated to explain why I really like it. But John <laughs> Cena has been a staple part of Wrestling 3 for a very long time now.
2: Mm.
0: He has been the face of the WWE for a very long time.
2: Turned up in like 2002, didn't
0: he? Uh, yep. 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 Something like that. So, for the better part of two decades, he has been Big Match Johnny, the face of the WWE, one of the most reviled people in the WWE because he was the new Hogan, because he was Big Match Johnny, because he also had four moves of doom, um, because he was the guy the company wouldn't not push. Uh, all the things that people say about Roman now
3: yeah mm-hmm.
0: um were the reasons he was hated and this event the Firefly funhouse took two things um one what it was like to be John Cena for these last 20 years and every fear uh and every um self-doubt that that has put in his head and how that has affected his career. And every bad decision made with The Eater of Worlds and all the ways people said Bray Wyatt should have been the biggest thing in the world at that point Mm. and what went wrong and the resentment uh, that Rotunda rightfully has about that um and the way those two collided in one match and it picks them all apart and there's this incredible vulnerability of cena i you know i've read some of the backstage reports it was largely written by rotunda and one of the creators pritchard i think at wwe Mm. and then cena came in and redrafted it and made it more critical of him more personal um and for me cena is at the end of his wrestling career very much so and this felt like an incredible uh laying bare of what the experience was for him uh and it, it did take him apart in a very knowing way like you Self-indulgent or self-referential, it's such a fine line. And that's why I knew it would be hated. Mm. But for me, I've always quite liked John Cena. Um, yeah. When I've seen him wrestle, when they've let him wrestle, he's great. Yeah, I love him. He's indisputably charismatic. Oh, God, yes. Um, he's incredibly entertaining. And he's hes always been like huge, but he's always had that core part
1: of the audience that hates him. Cause they kept, kept letting him win that was yeah, the reason yeah. they wouldn't let him lose and this just felt like
0: i don't know it, it didn't feel self-indulgent it felt honest really strangely honest whilst being presented in this very strange uncomfortable david lynch way mm. yeah um and the fact that they were telling stories this wild this outside of the comfort zone at wrestlemania for like 15 minutes um i I should be clear i don't like the fiend really i think the fiend is shit um i think bray wyatt is amazing i think the thunder as a person is amazing i think the bray wyatt character is amazing i loved the eater of
2: worlds don't like the fiend the, the Bray Wyatt character was legitimately one of my favourite things in wrestling at the time. I thought his promos were phenomenal.
0: And it should have been huge. Yeah. And then John Cena beat him. And that's what this is. This is And, and John Cena beat him, obviously, because like the Bray Wyatt run was interrupted by health problems for Rotunda. It was interrupted by all sorts of unfortunate things that derailed it. Mm. But it should have been huge. And if you want to look at this as the blow-off match for a feud that started when John Cena beat Bray Wyatt... That's six years ago, wasn't it? Six years ago. Mm. That's how to look at this. This is the blow-off match for that feud, and it works. It works so well for me. What I love is this... So. The boneyard match—we explained what it was before we started talking about it. We should yeah. really do the same for this because, oh my god, this is so outside of the world of what a wrestling match is. It,
2: it requires some explanation, yeah. And thank you also for just in in like half a second doing what I was trying to do and try to explain like a how it's not a. You know what i was saying? Like it, it's it's a comedy match. It's not a comedy match. It's it's not a an orthodox wrestling match, though. God no,
0: God yeah. no. So the. Bray Wyatt's character now is the host of the Firefly Funhouse, which is like a Mr. Rogers-style TV show, but in a a warped way where all the puppets are slightly evil and it's all quite sinister. Um, And John Cena appears in the Firefly Funhouse, and he goes
2: through the door. I was really, really upset he didn't do the Hulk Hogan uh, Dungeon of Doom thing. (laughs) like, What is this place? I've never been here before! <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and he ends up basically in in his own fears and um insecurities and it's a long sequence of spots uh some of them filmed in a ring some of them filmed like a backstage vignette using the old smackdown studio fist using um
2: the saturday night live not saturday Night, live, uh, uh, saturday, saturday, uh, main, uh, main event,
0: event. um Titles using um, footage of the NWO, using old-school blue cage um, and old-style WWE promos, uh, reconstructing many of the uh, pivotal events of John Cena's career. Uh, His Ruthless Aggression debut appearance with Kurt Angle, uh, the prototype character from OVW, uh, recreating... uh, And then it starts to recreate other people's moments is what's really weird about mm. it. Uh, It starts to cast him in the role of Hogan because he was the new Hogan. Um, it's, it's
2: amazing how they never say Hogan. In I this know, right? <laughs>
0: I, it is. It is amazing how they never say Hogan, but, but they say know- Hogan with every dripping piece of this mm. package. They say Hogan. Um, it's it's really beautifully done, and and this is cut between like Mercy the buzzard and a small puppet of Vince going. That's really good shit. Um, in in very very self referential references to the business that uh, I'm sure they were lost on a lot of people, uh, and I'm sure they didn't land for a lot of people who knew what they were doing. Mm. Uh, but I liked them. Uh, it's 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 strange and it's surreal and it also cuts to the eater of worlds coming back, explaining that John Cena killed the eater of worlds. Um, and recreating that moment and giving Cena another opportunity to heel turn because what that match should have been in a lot of people's minds is Cena's heel turn that he never managed. He never in his career turned heel. Um, And he's literally offered a chance to fix that now in this bizarre mindscape i love that so much and he does he breaks and cena turns heel and that is the first time in this whole match when the fiend turns up and this is the first time i've liked the fiend is uh when the fiend it was bray it was john cena versus john cena
2: Mm.
0: with bray wyatt in the role of john cena's fears and insecurities
2: it's it's, the, it's one of the things because again I've not been watching the show week by week so I'm, I'm vaguely aware of the whole Firefly um, Funhouse show thing. Yeah, like, mm. there's a set of rules or something, isn't there? Like one of them is don't touch the puppets. Um, is that a thing? I'm not aware of that. Oh, Okay, but like for me, when, yeah, it's the fact that Cena turns heel.
0: Mm. He breaks, um, staged in the NWO heel turn reconstruction he breaks and he acts like a heel and he's beating the hell out of Bray and then beating the hell out of a puppet because Bray turns into the puppet. And it's at the moment where Cena finally loses it and turns heel that the fiend appears behind him. And it is that, that connection of the fiend waiting for that opening, waiting for John Cena's biggest insecurity. John Cena was always a face and, He knew if he turned heel, it was a huge gamble. It could work, it might not. It could have made him bigger, it could have collapsed his career, and he never had the courage to do it. And here he is, turning heel, and the Fiend, that is the moment he takes him down. Um, And finally we are left with a John Cena you can't see. He he disappears, and you can't see him. Yeah, you can't see Um, him. As we hear his own words uh, about the Eater of Worlds gimmick, That he will finally put an end to the most overhyped, overprivileged superstar in WWE history. Uh, which was of course him talking about himself all along. Um, and that acknowledgement from the pair of them, that Cena was so overhyped and was so overprivileged that it actually hurt his career, that he was those things. I, I thought it was incredibly daring of them and it really haunted me. Cause I, I always liked Cena and I always had a sort of, what if, what if he'd been allowed to actually, um, not be the pushed face of the company and actually generated some organic love from the crowd or some organic heat from the crowd as a heel, uh, and yeah, watching this exploration of the psyche of what it's like to be John
1: Cena for 20 years, I thought was fascinating in every moment of it. I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this. we have both seen this video a a fair while back about John Cena and why people have the reaction that they do about him, this general hate towards him, and it's mainly because, yeah, he comes along and he always wins. Um, And this video that we watched was comparing John Cena to Superman in DC Comics. And John Cena's suffering the same problem as when you write Superman badly uh, Superman mm. written badly is him being put into a fight. Guess what? Superman fucking wins, because Superman always fucking wins. Cena wins, lol. Exactly. Now, the way... Super you- Cena was, was a thing for years. Super Cena. 100%. Yeah. So, the way that you beat Superman is not by fighting him. You give him a problem to solve. You basically get into his head. You make him doubt what he's capable of. Uh, you, you bring him down psychologically. You name it. It's happened in a Superman comic. Um, And I like the fact that, essentially, Bray Wyatt came back and he didn't beat him in a match. He beat him by getting him into his head to the point that, yeah, you can't see me, like that final bit there. And I know there's sort of my own headcanon in a way, but that's the way that I've always perceived Cena as a Superman kind of figure. So to see him taken out that way and also hand over the torch in a way, like like you say, he's on his way out. He's handing over the torch. He's putting over the Fiend. On his way out, by doing so, by being they, beaten in this way, I they
0: tackled it. that his career nearly ended before it began.
1: It yeah, tackled his yeah. weird body dysmorphia.
0: It handled his relationship problems. It handled um, the, the whole Doctor of Thugonomics thing. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still love it. They me. talked about his the rumours that he was burying talent um, to get himself over. Uh, they, you know, they talked about every criticism that's been thrown at him over his entire career. Mm. It was really interesting to watch. And yeah, uh, I loved it. And the thing is, what really matters about this is where they go from here.
1: Yeah. what I, I, I this? think
0: this match, I think it stands on its own as a, as a piece of creative entertainment. Let's remember, WWE doesn't do wrestling, it does sports entertainment. I was yeah. sports entertained. Um, but where they go from here matters. Yeah. If John Cena comes back and is just still John Cena and he's still just super Johnny, he's big match, Johnny, he's four moves of Doom John Cena and nothing changes, it's failed. Um, if he comes back with an awareness of what this was and how he has to change, that's difficult, but interesting. If he never comes back again,
1: I think that's the biggest success for this match. I was about to say, yeah, I think... Because, to be fair, he's, good, he's doing the rock. He's I mean, doing he's Hollywood now. He's, he's an, an actor. Ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, but, he's, and he's good at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, And if he never comes back again,
0: perfect.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: More importantly, what happens to Bray? Because, in a very real sense, this represents Bray's triumph over his biggest failure. He's yeah. finally beaten Cena.
3: Yeah.
0: And... There is a there is a world in the multiverse <laughs> where they take this as the end of the fiend's story. This is why the fiend was created. This is why Bray's broken mind created the fiend as a tool for him to use to unlock the puzzle that was John Cena, and the eater of the eater of worlds is reborn because he was reborn in the Funhouse. The Eater of Worlds himself cut an old-style Bray Wyatt promo and then came back in and challenged John Cena to put right what once went wrong, to put it into Quantum Leap terms. (laughs) And there is a world in which, you know, he, he said he wanted to rewrite his own story, and he's done it. Are they just crazy enough to say, yeah, The Fiend rewrote Bray Wyatt's story, and now Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds, never went away? (laughs) Because this Bray Wyatt has always carried the lantern with Bray's head and said to it, you know, you had your chance. You failed. Um, The Fiend put him back together. You know, he's said all these things. uh, So clearly the Eater of Worlds is still in there. It's still part of him. They could restore that gimmick off the back of this. And I always thought that gimmick was way more interesting than the Fiend. Yeah. So I think that could be amazing, especially with Braun Strowman now holding the World Heavyweight Championship, and he was part of the Wyatt family, so (laughs) if if Bray comes back and restores the Wyatt family with the championship,
2: I would be fucking thrilled. (laughs) I'm really worried now, because we've had this conversation about Super Cena, and Cena being like Superman, so now Bray Wyatt- We've had death of Superman. Well, yeah. But that means Bray Wyatt has defeated Superman, and he's the Eater of Worlds. I'm just saying, I don't want his new gimmick to be. I <laughs> don't want him to be. No, I was gonna say Brainiac Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I kind of do now.
1: <laughs> I kind of want that.
2: Yeah, right. Evil robot Bray Wyatt. See, framed
1: like that, I really, really enjoy that because I, I, I'm. I I will say I'm a I'm a squealing fanboy for the fiend. I just like the way he looks, and I understand that's a very superficial thing to base my opinion off him. I think he's a cool character. Um, but framed like that, I think that would be a, a real missed opportunity. What I would the like look is to great. see... Don't get me wrong. The look is great. Um, the trouble is, like, so I
0: love The Eater of Worlds, but WWE buried the character with bad booking and bad creative, as always happens. And there was bad luck with injuries. They did the same with The Fiend. The fact that The Fiend's matches for a while were really, really low-grade horror gimmick matches, like the projected worms on the canvas of the mat that freaked Mm -hmm. Randy Orton out. (laughs) And (laughs) the audience laugh. And and then The Fiend's gimmick seemed to be the lights are red and you can't see anything. Um, Yeah, that was bad. Buried The Fiend for me. I'm like, I really, really want to love what rotunda's doing here because he's clearly like matt hardy he's got a creative brain to looking at a sort of sideways way into the business where he can in a way that really satisfies me not everyone but me and a lot of people Mm. in a way that he can deconstruct the business in a really satisfying way but the wwe is such a conservatively written program that that will never get over now we've had this I just I, I want the fiend to go away because the fiend is broken for me because of that connection to the the maggots and the red lighting and all of the bad creative.
2: It's Boogeyman po- uh, Mark II. It really is. Um, would you Would I... you accept it
1: if it was? Um, say like we we take that scenario that you just suggested. Then that um, the fiend has done what he's needed to do. He's banished. Um, he's banished uh, his failures and his doubts. And the Eater of Worlds can then return. Would you Would you accept perhaps some... Because what I'd like to see, would you accept this if it was kind of like a civil war over Bray Wyatt between the Eater of the Worlds <laughs> and the Fiend? Oh, so right. Like, because the Fiend has done what it needs to do, but now doesn't want to let go. See so I mean? Bray Wyatt, the cult leader,
0: returns... But the fiend is still part of him, and reluctant to relinquish control.
1: Yeah, because you've got like the the imagery of the fiend is strong, and I think like me, a lot of it people is. really like the look. So I think you see what I mean, like that way you can incorporate the best of both worlds. I I think yeah, that could do it. That could
0: actually sort of rehabilitate both characters. Yeah, for think, me,
2: yeah, they'll, I'll be I'll be happy as long as they do one of two things. They need to change one or two things about. Eater of Worlds cult leader Bray Wyatt, right? What's that? Either he needs to stop doing promos where he says he's the Eater of Worlds and doing really, really awesome promos about how he could destroy the planet and, and existence and reality as a whole, or they need to just stop him jobbing out and losing clean in five minutes. Yeah, yeah that's what I not. mean about the bad booking in yeah, the it's bad like, it does, Those two things don't work together. Mm-hmm. Right, because mm-hmm. honestly, I have thought
0: for a very long time, um, when did... The Wyatt family first startup. God, they were around like... like, 2012, so nearly 10 years ago. I have been saying for, yeah, the last... Not all eight of those years, but let's say six to seven of those years. Undertaker needs to retire and they need a new supernatural menace. Yep. And Bray Wyatt should be it. 100%. Uh, but they've they've booked themselves out of him actually being a credible replacement for the Undertaker for nearly a decade now. Mm. I'm hoping they now book themselves into him being a credible replacement for the Undertaker.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that was why I loved it. Okay, and it's really a testament to that guy. Um, did you say his name? I-, I didn't know Bray Wyatt. So I didn't. I thought that was his name. <laughs> What's his actual name? Uh, His actual name is Wyndham Rotunda. Rotunda. So, like, to give the man his full due, like you say, obviously, John Cena came along and, like, um, did another draft of it to obviously be more personal. But what a mind on that guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he, whatever he does, he's able to captivate his audience. And you might not like The Fiend, but he certainly has a way of, like, understanding what people dig about wrestling uh and like the particularly like the crazier sides of it like the supernatural side that we see just full full credit to him because it was I really enjoyed it and I thought it was something very different that is very promising about the future as well. Yeah he and Bo Dallas
0: are the sons of Mike Rotunda, better known as Erwin R. Shyster.
2: IRS
3: Okay, okay. <laughs>
2: Who was, he, he's yeah. one of
0: the many sort of multi-generational wrestlers in the WWE. Gotcha.
2: And he's, his first name, he was named after uh, his dad's friend, uh, Barry Wyndham. Barry Wyndham, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, he gets the great name Wyndham Rotunda. And Taylor Rotunda, is that Bo Dallas? That's Bo Dallas' yeah. real name,
0: yeah.
2: What's, what's Bo Dallas doing these days? I have no idea. I liked Bo Dallas. I don't know uh, why I the can't. The last I never thing why. I
0: remember him doing was running around as part of the Tourage. Oh
2: shit! Yeah, he was.
0: Yeah, he was one of Miz's hangers on with like Curtis Axel and.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> that's
0: the last thing I remember him doing. Yeah, <laughs> I-, I love that if you go back to like their debuts, and you look at um, Husky Harris. Oh god. And Bo Dallas and. It's that thing of, if I told you one of these would be working WrestleMania with this incredible character work and (laughs) uh, ring talent, uh, it's not the one
2: you would expect. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of, we wouldn't have expected this looking at things a few years back. Does anyone else remember Three Man Band?
0: I do remember Three Man Band.
2: So two out of the three members of Three Man Band have won... World titles now Yep So I mean How do we feel about about Drew?
1: I'm happy Yeah. I mean it's a selfish happiness It's the kind (laughs) of selfish happiness When one steals candy From a baby or Something along those lines But isn't it nice to say that someone from the UK Has a WWE championship and beat Brock Lesnar and for it. And beat yeah. Brock Lesnar for it. Like, I mean, it. What again? It's it's basically like a complete mirroring of the uh, uh, Goldberg match. Mm. You know, it was quick. They they're not being paid by the hour. You know, let's get this let's get this over and done with. <laughs> like, Brock Lesnar shows up, does a few moves, and he loses. And I thought, you know what? That's fine. I'm fine with that. How about you guys?
0: So here's the thing. Three-man band was shit. (laughs) Uh, The the Drew McIntyre that left WWE was shit. Yeah, he was not in a good place, bless him. No. Uh, To be honest, the Drew Galloway that joined TNA wasn't great. He won a title, though. He did win a title, that's true. The drew mcintyre that came back to nxt mm. was good it felt very much like the guy who came back realized what he'd fucked up earlier in his career and was determined not to make the same mistakes again and i mean he came back with a, a recreated image and a recreated attitude and a hell of a work ethic, and he did good shit. Like, his NXT matches were really good, and I was like, oh, it's nice to have him back if this is what we get back. But ultimately, doesn't fucking matter who Drew McIntyre is. Someone beat Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I'm always going to enjoy that.
2: The, the monster was slain. Because. Buck, Brock Lesnar. In front of no audience again. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, this is the thing. I mean, I think...
1: I, I, I didn't see this, but my friend was telling me about... um uh, It might have been an interview or something, but Drew McI- it was basically about Drew McIntyre talking about realising he's finally got this championship shot at WrestleMania. It's been his dream since he began his journey as a wrestler. Uh, and him having to come to terms with the fact that, yeah, he gets to beat... The Beast, he gets to do it on the biggest stage in wrestling, but blessings. It's the smallest, biggest stage of the mall. Smallest, biggest stage of the mall, exactly. And there isn't an audience there. I had, so my I did have a, yeah, my heart really goes out to him for that. Um But I just can't help but think: is it because is it because Brock Lesnar's lazy, and they just they thought you know let's just like it, it could have been a better match. Like I knew it was coming to the end of it. It'd been on for a long time. It felt like it had been on a long time by this point. And if I'm honest, I felt like the Firefly Fun Funhouse was the the logical conclusion. To me, it was the main event.
2: Yeah. For for me, the main event was Titus O'Neil directly afterwards, <laughs> 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 with with his with his hand to his head, just staring into the camera to the point that I thought it was a freeze frame, and then he just very gradually moved and was like, I don't know what I just watched.
0: Honestly, that should have been the go-home image of WrestleMania <laughs> yes. this year.
1: There isn't anything wrong with watching Brock Lesnar be repeatedly kicked in the face. <laughs> That's very um, true. <laughs>
0: Oh this this match did actually confirm Zoe's long-held belief that Brock Lesnar is a thawed out Neanderthal forced to fight for our entertainment. <laughs> when Paul Heyman in the pre-match interview said Brock Lesnar is not of our species, and Zoe yeah. just
2: jumped and pointed at the TV and went, "There he confirmed." Oh my for god. Sure. That sure. that Heyman promo Oh God! i would forgotten how good Heyman can be at promos. Yeah, I love Heyman on the mic. To be fair. He's been getting lazy recently, but that I, was beautiful. Uh, the fact that there's no crowd really meant he could actually whisper, whisper. as well, yes. which is great. He
1: snarled those words. Uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with Brock Lesnar either. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't like that he keeps getting titles and they keep booking him because, like, he's there to do one thing, and he's good at what he does. And I'll admit, I even have like, had like a. A pang in my heart when I saw he's going to... Is it the German suplex where he just grabs him from behind and just falls back and throws him over? Is that what it's called? Yeah, so one really effective part of that very short match was when he grabbed Drew McIntyre, prepared to do it. McIntyre grabbed hold of the ropes. And I thought, that's weird that I haven't... Maybe it's happened before, but I don't remember ever seeing someone doing that to stop that from happening to them before. And I thought, oh my God. And then... The tees went away and he smacked his arms away then did it. And I thought, that was pretty cool. Because uh, like to me it always seems like an inevitability when he gets that move on someone then that's the end. He'll ragdoll them until they're done. Yeah. Which them way, to is Suplex dest- City. Yeah. in a way that's the strength of the character I suppose. Because like, he's supposed to feel like this inevitable force of nature. So perhaps that's like one good thing that I found about the match. But generally speaking I felt that maybe Drew McIntyre deserved a bit more than that. I don't know. My problem with Brock Lesnar is not his wrestling style.
0: If he if he's invested in a match, he can put on a hell of a match. Yeah. Um my problem with Brock Lesnar is very simply if you want to be in the WWE, be in the WWE. Oh, uh, he doesn't want to be in the WWE. He no. turns up for pay-per-view title matches and that's it. Uh, it's a struggle to get him on TV. And fuck that. Yeah. Fuck part-timers.
2: I, yeah. I am, yeah, however, yeah, happy yeah. to see him in wrestling just because it's like I'm glad he's here on camera where we can all see him, because if he was somewhere else where we can't see him, <laughs> I would honestly be really worried. Uh, well, we know what he's
1: doing. The thing is, and uh, again, something that kind of like heartens me to wart him a little bit, because I agree with you. He shouldn't have belts on him if he's only going to be a part-timer. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with you. I do really like that. He just really enjoys
2: farming you know, like I, I have, I have to keep reminding myself every now and again of what his real life situation is like, so that I have, so that I can remind myself that it isn't a work, like it's not a gimmick that he, how he actually lives his life. Yeah, um, in his fucking weird compound in the middle of Saskatchewan.
1: He has another job. <laughs> he's yeah, a,
2: he's a farmer, but for himself apparently. Like, I don't think he actually sells much property. No, he, he doesn't talk to people. He just has a big. House in the middle of like Canadian wilderness, yeah, and a payphone at the end of a sort of like three mile road, yeah. That's his communication with the outside world. Everything imagine else he's... is handled by Heyman. It's like, what the, fuck?
1: yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I, he's got kids, so I imagine uh, young kids as well. So, I imagine obviously all of the WWE work that he does is to obviously, you know, put as much money away as possible because he's mm. clearly
2: not spending it on his farm, um. And his, pri- and his private jet he's one of the only two people in the WWE that has a private jet does he? it's him and Vince McMahon holy shit but then as, I, as it was pointed out to me I was like yeah but I think that, that's a quite a sensible thing because you've got to go through a lot of stress to go through airport security and that kind of stuff And can you imagine being the airport security guy asking Brock Lesnar to take his shoes off Oh, my God. <laughs> you see, this is the thing about him. Like, uh, like, yeah, he's a part timer, but
1: there's he, there is something very intimidating about that guy. Oh, and he's terrifying. He's perhaps he, it adds more to him being a heel because he's a part timer. Like people have written into that before, haven't they? Like Seth Rollins has said that before. Like when he was going oh, yeah. up against him, oh, like, for sure. I'm here every every episode of Raw, and he comes in, and you know, so it, it buys into it. Yeah, and but, it gives
0: them that storyline. But the thing is, that storyline is
1: also true. Yes. And he can fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not defending it. I just, uh, I just value the what I can from the situation. Put it that way. That's. I uh, mean, if they right, if they want someone like a Brock
0: Lesnar to be in the company, what they need is a different belt. What they need is a belt that is only ever defended on pay per views pay-per-view and is treated belt, yeah. like a big match fight like a boxing match or a ufc match where you you know the the big boxing belts are defended once maybe twice a year yeah that's true and so you have something with that level of hype around it in the company and brock would be the perfect title holder for that he only has to work once or twice a year and the times he loses become incredibly special Uh. um don't give him the actual sort of raw heavyweight championship when he's
1: not on raw. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And don't let him do promos. I mean, that, that just goes without saying. That's what he's got Heyman for, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I do this Heyman. is the thing.
0: At some point, if his character has to mean anything, he has to talk. Um
2: Do, and do, he do you remember when he feuded with Cena? Yeah. Charm? This feeling? That's your feeling. <laughs> it's a real feeling. He
1: has such a weird voice. <laughs> he's he such really a smith
2: It's really <laughs> weird, isn't it?
1: Because that's not the voice you'd expect. You, you'd have him come up to you, like, and you'd think, oh my god, he's gonna kill me. Then he'd open his mouth, and the expression that you'd pull in surprise would be enough
2: to trigger him and you'd be dead. He's <laughs> <laughs> so he's so high-pitched in the ring as well. Yeah, his grunts is. are just like eh! as he grabs people, like, <laughs> oh, it's somehow worse.
1: I mean, uh, one last thing I'll say about him before we obviously move on, but um, yeah, I think you're right, Simon. Every now and then there has been a match where like, you can see he's actually enjoyed himself. Like I remember seeing him go up against Daniel Bryan, although mm. he beat the crap out of Daniel Bryan. Like, he still sold... Because re- sometimes he doesn't sell for people. If he's not bothered, he won't sell.
3: And
0: it- it's,
1: it's kind of well known that yeah. Brock
0: Lesnar, if he likes and respects his opponent, they will have at least a four star match in any other circumstance he is phoning it in he's just doing it for a paycheck yeah it's kind of understood i think that that is how brock lesnar operates so when he's up against an opponent that he has some time for you can get a great match out of him maybe bray Wyatt should deconstruct brock lesnar next (laughs) <laughs> I don't think, like, the only reason it worked is because of how willing John Cena was to yeah. flay himself and lay himself bare. 100%. I don't think Brock's into that. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: it's, don't think anyone else in the business is that up for it. That's true. Yeah, to give him his credit. So what do you guys, do? You, are you guys happy that Drew McIntyre, not, not necessarily that he beat Brock Lesnar then, are you happy with the future of the belt being on him? Like, do we see anything good coming from that?
2: Hey, until Heath Slater goes away and does a shitload of steroids, comes back and wins the belt, that's I'm happy with that.
0: <laughs> Agreed. I heard someone say they're fantasy booking for it as of this point, and it's it's genius, is the storyline going forward should be that Drew McIntyre doesn't think it counts until he defends it in front of an audience. So he's desperate to retain it until this is all over.
2: Ooh, I like it. That's I, I
0: think that's a great storyline. Um, And it's a it's a unique storyline for the circumstances. And if they go with something like that, I'll be delighted.
2: And definitely. Oh, right. So speaking of going forward,
3: Mm.
2: I was okay. I wasn't willing to give WrestleMania a pass. That's that's definitely too strong a word. Um, I, I was willing to maybe go, all right, WrestleMania shouldn't have happened. It was more bad than good. But there were some really bright spots in there that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. And I left with such a sour taste in my mouth because my takeaway from this is, oh, so they're um they're uh, doing Money in the Bank next month. Oh yeah, yeah. In front it. of no audience. Yep. Again. Yeah. 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 Fuck. Fuck this company. I. I'm. Yeah. I cannot defend that at all. Why no. You-
1: no. And the, and the thing is, they're able to mask it. They, they said it a few times, not that much, but I've noticed it more and more from looking back on it since WrestleMania. They're saying, oh, isn't it amazing? Like I said at the beginning, isn't it amazing that these wrestlers are putting themselves on the line to still entertain people whilst they're all in lockdown? And I think that's... Uh, obviously, I'm part of the problem, because I said that. Um, <laughs> and I, no, I'm willing to accept that, you know? Um but that's the only good that I can make of the situation because, absolutely right, I don't think it should carry on anymore. I think they've done their they've done mania now. Come on, let's just let's just put it to bed for a bit. the
2: The, the best thing I've heard out this from from the How to Wrestling podcast was basically going to the 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 often recurring theme and idea of a, a downtime or an off, a, an off season for wrestling. Mm. This would be the perfect time to try and do an off season because we're essentially going to have one of two eventualities. Either, uh, one one is the preferable one, which is, hey, we had an off-season in wrestling, and look, the the, the industry survived. And the alternative is, okay, we tried to power through this without an off-season, and the industry didn't survive it. It's
1: basically them desperately clinging on to those TV slots, isn't it, for the marketing? Because that's... Mm, That's what's paying the bills at the end of the day, because uh, it certainly isn't the the audience ticket sales. But those point, TV so. slots could be filled with reruns.
2: Yeah, I mean that's oh, what yeah. most of Raw and SmackDown has been, isn't it? Like, I mean, uh, Raw is still three hours long, but like last la- like the Raw before Mania was literally had Becky Lynch going, check this out, it's a match from last WrestleMania, and it's literally just the entirety yep. of her match with Ronda and Charlotte from last year. Of and course. yeah,
0: like they could just be filling TV time with reruns. Uh, this is the perfect time for the network to push all of its already filmed original content uh, to highlight. Like they, they did a whole thing recently and John Cena appearing at this WrestleMania in a documentary, like the ruthless aggression era is being talked about again. Yeah. What a fantastic time for the network to highlight the pay-per-views from that era mm. and, and sort of bubble them to the front and play them instead of ongoing pay-per-views. Yeah. Like the network has content. They don't need to make more. The TV slots can be filled with reruns. Uh, going forward, this is incredibly dangerous. And th- there are, there is another circumstance that you've missed off your list of possibilities. Oh, right. And the really devastating one is they keep at it and someone dies. E- oh, yeah. well, that's
1: never stopped them before, has it? To be blunt. No.
0: But uh, at this point, in the middle of a global pandemic, when everyone's already saying it's uh, completely uh irresponsible of them to do this if this costs lives there are already rumors about staff with coronavirus Mm -hmm. in the company It, it this is not a good thing to do you know they really really need to have a think and not do this just stop for fuck's sake
1: vince man it's
2: vince all over
1: yep Sadly, it is.
2: He's got, from what I can tell, he's got the mindset of ah, it's not a big deal. A hundred percent. I it's mean, anything I, I know...
1: to keep, anything to keep the cash coming in, anything to to keep the business ticking over. He's too stubborn to. I I, to I, I know. Uh,
2: I know. Jerry the King Lawler definitely thinks it's not a big deal because he was still turning up to raw tapings and doing commentary and flying out to all the venues and everything. Like oh, he's a maniac, Jerry. You, you are in so many different groups of at-risk people. Yeah.
1: Oh wow. Uh, is AEW doing anything? I you, I think we we definitely spoke about it early on, but are, are they, have they stopped or are they carrying on? They're well?
2: they're they're carrying on. Uh, like I said, they, they did it. They did one thing, which is basically um, the heel authority figures. The, the storyline is now that the heel authority figures have banned the audience. And the audience, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they were cheering for the good guys, and it gave the good guys an unfair advantage. Right. Um, so they're not ignoring it like WWE are, but they're making it part of the storyline. They have then since done something which I found quite interesting, which is they've had one half of the the audience stands um, filled with the heels, it, like, distanced apart from each other, mm-hmm. um, and one half of the audience stands filled with fa- uh, faces, again, distanced from one another. So that during a match, you have one half of the arena still cheering for the heel, uh, uh, still cheering for the face, and you have one half of them being you know cheering for the bad guys. Right, I was like, "This is this is kind of an interesting way of doing things," but they're still, but they're still having matches. They're still having people being really close together. And I mean, I've seen brilliant stuff from indie matches, indie things like this is the perfect time for those indie matches, like the Invisible Wrestler match, (laughs) um, which I'm sure I post up on my Facebook some point. Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan, yeah, which is like one of the best matches of all time. Yes, I remember. I
0: remember I've also that, seen so. a wonderful indie match, the socially distanced wrestling match. Yes,
2: where it's like a miming wrestling match where they're standing six feet apart, but still grappling. And... Yep, they're
0: doing oh. the moves as if they were stood face to face, but they are six
2: feet apart. And it's... I mean, Jim Cornette would hate it, but I love it. Anything that Jim Cornette hates, I will always defend... <laughs> Well, then you need to defend
0: the Firefly Funhouse because you know it would be his least favorite thing. Ever. I, yeah,
2: uh, yes, I, I, uh, I know, and I will, I will defend it to the point of it makes Jim Cornette unhappy, and <laughs> it, it's not, it's not entirely without merit. Therefore, so
1: I'm, I've got to say, after discussion, a lengthy discussion about this, I find myself remembering more about it that I enjoyed. Not that I was trying to be deliberately negative about WrestleMania, but. There was a lot more about it that I enjoyed that I've remembered due to discussion, which I think actually makes me, you know, I've enjoyed talking about it anyway. But like, it makes me look back on it more fondly than than me just dismissing it and saying, "Oh yeah," but you know, the uh, the film segments at the end of each night were good. Here's the thing: the matches themselves varied in quality as they always
0: do, from competent through to genuinely entertaining. Yeah, the women's division matches were the best things on the card, which mm-hmm. I find is increasingly true in WWE. Mostly, yeah. Um, none of it was actually terrible in terms of what the matches were. Uh, some of it was terrible in terms of what the storyline was. Um, but ultimately, the the real pull cast over this WrestleMania, the reason I came away from it, even though I adored the Firefly Funhouse and think it's the best thing they've ever done, the reason I still came away looking back at this WrestleMania and going, I was... That was not good, is just because the whole thing should never have happened. Yeah. None of it was so good that it overrode that sense that the <laughs> yeah.
1: whole event was a terrible idea. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bad idea, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think yep. that kind of that,
2: is the end, isn't it? That's, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a sour ending.
0: <laughs> yep. This is the WrestleMania that should never have happened. Yeah, and actually, like all the way through, whenever there was a spot um, or a championship changed hands, or you know, all of these events that everyone, especially the people in the ring, should be remembering for years to come, I just kept going. Well, that's never going to turn up in a highlight reel, yeah. not without an audience. No. Yeah, and you know, it's the forgotten
2: WrestleMania. That's the thing. None of it mattered. Do you think we'll be talking about it in a year's time, or do you reckon this will be the Depends one? Depends how do- many people die. Oh fuck! Okay, on oh. no. on on a, on a less on a, on a less depressing note. But like, that's the thing that
0: is, yeah. those are the stakes we're playing with now. Genuinely, I, if yeah. if someone comes out, if there is a death that comes out of the fact that this WrestleMania had to go ahead, then yeah, we'll be talking about this next year and yeah. for years to come. Uh, pre- presuming and God, we hope everyone lives and is fine. Then, no, absolutely not. Yeah, Mm. okay. Unless they actually do something with the Bray Wyatt character, in which case it'll all get traced back to the Firefly Funhouse, and I'll go, told you it was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, Naga. Please don't do Money in the Bank.
2: They're going to do it. They're going to do it. I know they're going to do it. Loads of ladder matches.
0: I'm glad that the venue has cancelled on them, at least.
2: Well, that just means they'll put it in the fucking um, the
0: performance, performance center, center right. again. Yeah, but up until days ago, they still had the booking in the fucking arena. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> for some reason, and this mystifies me, for some way, well, it doesn't mystify me, it's Vince. It was probably money and blackmail. But he, <laughs> he did manage to get Orlando to declare the WWE as an essential business, which is the only reason they're allowed to
2: continue. You, you can do a lot with Saudi blood money, I'm just saying. That no, is damn true. Um... Yeah. Oh, uh, one special mention as well to just how absolutely utterly drizzling of... The the most drizzling of drizzling shits were the commentators at times. And I can't blame them because apparently they were filming some of that commentary until four in the morning. Jesus.
0: The commentary, yeah, wasn't... God, it was uncomfortable. But I mean, I sort of... I mean, I have no... Fondness in my heart for JBL. Oh ever, god, no, never. No. He can fuck the fuck off, like, and keep fucking off from there.
2: He he should fuck off as far as he can, and then follow his dreams and continue to fuck off. Yep, absolutely. And the one with the glasses. Wait, which one's JBL? Uh, JBL is the guy who used to be Shaw, He's the big Texan fellow with the big cowboy hat. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha,
0: yep. Dislike him immensely, yeah. but him aside, I have a huge amount of sympathy for the commentators because commentating on a dead arena mm. is fucking hard. Mora Ronaldo would have found a way, and it, I mean, has been, has been finding a way. Yeah, but even he, you know, you can tell they they do live off the energy of the crowd, and mm. it's not there. So they have to bring all of the energy themselves. And, and that's, God, that must be exhausting anyway. And to do it for hours on end.
1: Oof, I, I don't envy them the job. No. You know? <laughs> no, so much relies on the um, the call and answer of an audience, really, isn't it? And there's, Although, there's no answer. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we're talking about commentary
0: because it it's just reminded me of one of my favorite moments of the night which is because it's so quiet because it's a dead arena. God. Uh, so you can hear everything said in the ring and the people in the ring can hear everything said at commentary. There was one moment in the women's elimination match when Michael Cole goes, uh, Bailey and Sasha almost pinned and taken out at the same time as they kick out from Naomi. And Bailey just turns and goes, No, we weren't, Michael. <laughs> and I just that damn near killed me I was like that's beautiful
1: (laughs) yes you're right I remember that now holy shit (laughs) I love that yeah the wrestlers can start disagreeing with what the commentators are saying it's a mess
0: and I'm amazed that it was only Bailey that did it in both nights in seven hours of the show only Bailey had the thought of as a heel of just talking shit back at the commentator (laughs) as genius
1: Ah oh dear. Uh, so yeah, that was it. Any other final thoughts? Um, despite it being an awful thing that it went ahead, I'm still uh, I still enjoyed talking about it. It's still worthwhile. Honorable mentions for the efforts that were made uh, on making it entertaining, even in this obviously awful time.
2: Who's the twenty four seven champion now?
1: That was Mojo Raleigh, wasn't oh,
2: it?
0: yeah, okay, cool, cool. I, I don't know, it may have changed hands 17 times since then, <laughs> but certainly at the end of WrestleMania it was Mojo Raleigh. Cool, okay. That that was a thing that happened that we forgot to mention. But largely because the 24-7 championship is such a bizarre and slightly shit thing. Oh, yeah, I, I, really,
1: I really like it. <laughs> Didn't one of them get pulled over by a cop recently? Did you see that? I did not. Oh my god. Who is the one who always has it? Is it something something cool? I can't remember his name.
2: Uh he's oh uh R Truth is all usually the one Our R Truth, that's it, yeah. yeah. So he gets
1: pulled over by a cop uh saying, Listen, man, I'm just gonna give you a warning. And the reason I'm only gonna give you a warning for speeding is because I'd really like a picture. And R Truth goes, Oh yeah, sure, man, no worries gets out of his car um opens the boot of his car pulls out of his pulls out his belt that he's got 24 7 belt and then they pose for a picture and a ref sinisterly (laughs) walks out of the woods (laughs) comes out of the woods and he's like what and then the cop rolls him up and like he only barely gets away and like he rushes back into his car slams the door and drives off with the boot still open (laughs) Oh, uh, and then the cops like give chase with sirens on. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, that alone makes it worthwhile that that,
0: that championship exists. I mean, the twenty four seven championship is basically an excuse to have our truth do comedy spots, which is which
2: is fine, which is yeah.
0: yeah. He he now has thirty five title reigns as the twenty four seven champion.
2: Oh dear.
0: The the next closest to that is in fact Mojo Raleigh with seven.
2: Wow, okay
0: Drake Maverick has six
2: Oh, bless him, bless old Spud
1: <laughs> Yep
2: I forgot about Drake Maverick Sorry. I think so
0: did the
1: WWE <laughs> right.
2: I was so happy to see Spud in the WWE and now they're not using him anymore Well, I, I was and then they made him
0: Drake Maverick and then I was so sad to see Spud in the WWE Yeah,
2: so my name is Drake Maverick everyone in the audience, Spud, Spud Spud <laughs> <laughs> No. So yeah,
0: from the Forgotten WrestleMania, or maybe should be Forgotten WrestleMania, or should have been Forgotten WrestleMania. Aww. At Aww. least it gave us a good conversation.
2: Yeah, and we got we got a we got a, a, a run in or a a, a returning uh, superstar of, of uh, dangerously unprepared.
0: Indeed, we had the, the surprise re- uh, return moment. This was the Rumble entrance no one was expecting. Rob, thank you for joining us once again.
1: Thank you very much for having
0: me. Might be back next week. We'll have to wait and see, right? It's been so- nine years, and with the kind of injuries you're carrying, you shouldn't be doing this. But we appreciate you laying it all on the line for us. Comparing so- me to
1: Edge is all
2: I need. That's just <laughs> perfect for me. Thank the you. The rated Rob Superstar. Um- <laughs> The b- b- before we introduce Rob, we need to play some kind of royalty-free wrestler entrance music-style theme tune. <laughs> I'm sure that will be easy to come by. Yeah,
0: I'll just do a search for royalty-free wrestler entrance music. Yeah, it's just he's
3: back! By oh,
0: <laughs> So thank you for joining us, uh, Rob, and thank you for joining us, listeners, and join us again. Uh, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. I have been
2: Simon. Uh, I've been Kyrie. And I've been Rob. Goodbye. Goodbye. Toodles.